Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 293. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up nerds? Connor is also here. Still knocking around, just about. Yes. We all we all live in misery as a result. Uh I don't live in misery, I live in Nevada. It's the same thing, isn't it? That that's a geographic joke. Absolutely not. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to those uh, listeners that live in Missouri, but you you know I, I've read your Twitter feeds. It's not going so great. Uh, I like how Matt had to point out that he actually wanted to tell us that was a ge- geographical joke. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just just in case no one got it. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, uh, welcome to the show. It's the DC Comics podcast. We talk about DC Comics every week. Coming up on this week's show, we'll be talking about Detective Comics 1053, Nightwing 89, Wonder Woman 784, The Flash 779, Batman The Night Issue 2, and Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow Issue 8. Uh, plus, of course, it is Solicits Week. We have the May 2022 Solicits to look through and discuss and i've not looked at the solicits directly yet but i did see a couple of the new things on twitter uh that people yeah. were pimping out a couple, so. of, a couple of big new books announced mm-hmm. and i know there's a couple of other books that have had final issue mm. notices so so just some stuff to talk about in there i'm sure there's something else heated from this week that's going to come up uh probably mm-hmm. probably <sighs> when you try to get sales figures no no we'll save it for after solicits we'll save it for after solicits but uh it was was you know that is going to be a topic of discussion as as well uh, when we get to the first segment of the show. But uh, welcome everyone uh, yep. to to episode two ninety three, getting dangerously close to episode three hundred. Um. So yes, I'm gonna have to book that weekend off work, aren't I? Because otherwise that'd be a weird one for me to miss. <laughs> when Connor gets the days off, I was like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> no, we have to record yeah, a weird what, day this week. Was it two ninety three? Oh, he's yes, done. That'll be seven weeks. All right, stop it. Probably got ages yet. <laughs> no, thank you. It's an April Fool's joke. He doesn't really want that weekend off. Do you know what? It's the weekend after that. Is it? Okay. <laughs> it's the ninth, not the second. <laughs> and that's where, and and that's where you really do your pranks is the week after when no one expects it. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. I'm sure work will appreciate that. So. Yes, welcome to the show. Now, normally, I I would start with uh, saying something up to the effect of "There's always time for a comicsology top ten. Obviously, uh, events <clears throat> from this week have put a bit of a kibosh on that. But have no fear, everyone at home, in your cars, in the bathtub, wherever you listen to this show. I know there's a variety of locations that one might uh, partake. I I would not trust my headphones in the bathtub because <laughs> I also. I wouldn't put us on a Bluetooth speaker because I wouldn't want uh, anybody knowing. To, to be fair, I, I have wireless earphones and I li- I literally don't go in the shower without them. Like, what? Completely waterproof ones. Oh, they're waterproof, obviously. Yeah, I got waterproof ones. And I don't shower without earphones in. You, you, I should get waterproof earphones. I'd love to listen to some music when I'm in the shower. That sounds like a great they, idea. They weren't expensive. You can get them for like 30 quid. Uh, I have trust issues because I don't trust it. There's Is that... I've tried Go to ahead, play Pete. audio while I'm in the shower, just so you know, from the other side of the bathroom, but the problem is, is the sound of the shower is so loud that you, like, you can't really turn yeah, that loud I'll, enough. I'll link you to these ones later, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've used yeah. these for like a year solid, like, oh, very every, every day in the shower, they're good. I just use a Bluetooth speaker, it's on the shelf outside the shower. It works. Yeah. Uh, 
So, yes. Anyway, so now I say that it's time for Comic Soldier Top 10. The Comic Soldier Top 10 does not exist anymore. Uh, more on that later. I think we're going to get a bit of a discussion after the solicits. But um, have no fear because I'm not willing to let this segment, and it, in its essence, if this is from a certain side, I think it is. I, I want no part in this. No, this... no, 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 no. To calm down, right? The, this is the most Vince McMahon Pete gets. He's like, <laughs> "There's a thing I want to do, and I'm not going to stop until I do it." Like I'm just saying, the immediately top head of some sort that we can start off the show. It's a bit of an icebreaker, and mainly to torture Connor. Like, this is just something I want to be a fundamental part of the fabric of the multiverse that we are built on. So, I may what try a few... ten off? I may try... <laughs> no. <laughs> this week's top ten selling jams in the Canada region. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no. So, I will may try a few different things, but at least for this week... My first experiment for potential replacements to the Comic Soldier Top 10 is the Top 10 books based on number of reviews that they have <laughs> from Comic Book Roundup. Because <laughs> at first I was going to just do it based on rating, but the problem with that is that if you include everything, all of the Top 10 are a bunch of weird indie books that have only had one review and they're all rated 10 out of 10. So that doesn't work, right? doesn't work. would be interesting to talk about. It's an interesting, like... I get your desire to have this segment. There's a flawed approach in that this is only taking in critics, right? I could switch Not to just... user ratings if you so wish. feel it's probably fairer. Because, I mean, I still don't know how many people I mean, There's a lot this. more user ratings, so I mean... I feel like that's more indicative, at least, than, than critic ratings. But, I mean... Mm. I don't know how it reflects the wider community. Oh no, I can't sort by user reviews. I can sort by user ratings, but not by the number of user reviews. But, what can I try this week? I may try, I'll try some different things. I might even do something a bit custom once uh, if I get an idea of how to like sort of take this information and present it in a form that <laughs> can be used in a top 10 fashion. But at the very least, this will give us an idea of like what books are actually being looked at and read. Um, and in the event of ties, and it's quite often there will be ties in this case because there's not that many reviews for these books, um, then the rating will sort of like break the ties between the books. This is terrible. <laughs> Cara's unhappy, which means so far this is a roaring success. I, I, I just, this, is, this is a terrible flawed system. It's a roaring success so far. So... What do you think the most reviewed book of the week was? I don't really care. <laughs> uh, of, of all books or of just DC? All, all books. Oh, hold on. I have to reload this then. There's a DC book. I don't know what else came out. Is it Nightwing? There's Nightwing. There you go. Nightwing's the most reviewed book of the week. See? Uh, right, DC kind of dominating the top five here a little bit because uh, number two is Batman the Night, issue two. And number three is Detective Comics 1053, and number four is Supergirl, Moon of Tomorrow. You have to go to the fifth book before you get to Marvel. This is, this is actually coming up better than the sales figures uh, so far. <laughs> Which, let me so guess, is, is X-Men. Uh, no, actually. There was an issue one, you see. Issue ones tend to get reviewed a lot. Uh, shoot. Yeah, Iron Fist, issue one. Oh, yeah, there it is. Which is only averaging a 7.8, uh, might I add. Uh, there That's were... not that bad a score. 
Well, well no, no but that, that character's had so many stops and starts since that stupid new, show came on. It's a new Iron Fist, though, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I, it is. I don't really know much about the but I just know in general it's it's not Danny Rand. No. It's, it's not no. a little bit lower than all the other uh, books I've mentioned so far, though. Fair enough. Sure, well enough. Uh, number six is back to DC with Justice League issue 72, which you'll be happy to hear has got a 6.5, which is the lowest rating of any <laughs> book thus far. Uh, then we have an image comic book uh, called Primordial, issue 6. That's the uh, Lemire and Sorrentino. Ah. I think that's the final issue of that series. So That makes sense. It's getting some attention. Uh, another image book with Rain, issue 2, up next. At number oh. 8. Yeah. Uh, number 9, back to DC Comics with Aquaman, the Becoming, issue 6. And number 10 is Nubia and the Amazons, issue 5. So DC heavily, for, for whatever reason, at least this week, DC is way more reviewed than Marvel is. Yeah. Maybe that's a consistent thing. Maybe not as many people are reviewing the Marvel books. Uh, once you get into the next batch, though, it's mostly Marvel books. It's you know you got your Amazing Spider-Man, you get X-Men issue eight, Hulk issue mm-hmm. four, so on. Wonder Woman's mixed in there somewhere as well. So, you know, hmm. it is. But uh, yeah. Uh, well, my original thought was that I was going to uh give you a top 10 based on the ratings but just limited to dc the problem i had with that though as an idea is that while it may technically be more indicative of something than just how many reviews they have the problem with that is that i felt like our reactions to what the order is just kind of was like teasing for what we're going to say about the books later so it felt like it was kind of stepping (laughs) on our own toes yeah Uh, so i don't want to do that but uh, where, where was flash at in that uh, and the actual top 10 I gave? Yeah. And the reviews? Uh, let me tell you. Flash was down about number 20-ish. They're not numbered, so I'm having to just kind of ballpark it once it's that right. low. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah. So, I admit, this one was a bit shaky. This was a bit last minute. I kind of forgot I had to come up with some new format. Uh, until about I did warn you. 20 minutes before the show started. <laughs> right? I'm going to give this some more thought. I'm going to try out some different things to replace the Comicsology Top 10. But let everyone, everyone let me know what you thought of that. Uh, this I, version I of it. I personally feel... It no one cares retired. what you personally no, no, feel no. like. It should be retired in <laughs> protest of what has happened to Comicsology. And I will continue to do it in protest of you. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Uh, it's not like it takes that long. We're already done. I had to explain a whole new format with this, and it was still done in under like five minutes. This is easy peasy. Waste of five minutes. Lemon squeezy. See, see, Connor, I, I know, I know, people love your banter, but I've just learned just to be quiet and let him, <laughs> let him do his list, and then we can move on. You know, I you could have at least I, I look got up, a list. I, I look up coffee. You know, I listen, but you know. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> uh, looking, looking for what which uh, NFL you know Super Bowl champion shirt I want to buy uh, for the for the Rams win. Uh, but yeah, yes, I heard someone say the boring team won. That's what I heard. It is, it's, you know, whatever. I was happy. They're my team. <laughs> it's that's right. It's my 
mother-in-law's boyfriend told me I needed to calm down. Oh, do you know what? I, I actually assumed the Rams this whole time were a Vegas yeah. team just because it's the one you like. No. I found out this week they're actually LA. Yeah, they are. Yeah, um, Vegas didn't get a team until two years ago when they stole the Raiders from Oakland. In a in a thing that I'm still upset over. Uh, How do you steal a team? Well, it wasn't stolen, so Oakland wouldn't uh, pay for With a lots new of manpower stadium. to move God, the stadium. Yeah. Um, you weird bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of these leagues, right, they're kind of capped out at the number of teams they can support. So the NFL hasn't expanded since 04. Um, and so now it, there's always a trade chip in the fact that being a big city without a team, they can always move, right? So, like, for the longest time, that was L.A., and then the Rams moved there, you know, four years ago. Uh, and then the Chargers moved out of San Diego uh, to L.A., and now they share a stadium, which is real, real shitty. Uh, but Oakland, uh, the team wanted the city to pay for a stadium, and the city goes, absolutely not. You you guys have billionaire owner or billionaire owners. You guys can pay for a stadium. That's what the Rams did in L.A. Uh, and whatever. But Vegas, wanting to be have this a is, piece of the NFL, uh, decided, hey, we're going to tax tourists more to build a stadium. But while, while our schools are crumbling, um, we're not, we're not going to raise taxes on tourists to help schools, but to pay for a, a, a billion-dollar stadium. Sure as shit. So, uh, American sports leagues are nonsense. I'm sorry, they uh, are. Just, just do, what, do, what, do what the rest of us do. Uh -huh. Just start another league underneath, and you can move up and down between them. No, so so we don't we don't have that. Like there there are smaller leagues, but like for as far as football is concerned, they've tried to do smaller leagues, and it never pans out. Um, oh, just it'll pan out if you, if you take the best if you take the best two teams from that smaller league at the end of the season and go right, you're in the, the right the big but that's, next time and knock the knock the bottom two out. No, and then no, I promise you, it'll get more interest. That's good for expansion, but once you're at the top, right? So like hockey right now. They don't like they just expanded, so now they have 32 teams, right? Seattle sure. became a team right after. There's probably not going to be another team in the NHL, probably ever, uh, unless another one folds. So now there's talk of like the Coyotes being moved. So that that's where that type of stuff happens. But yeah. none of those, all of the smaller leagues in every other sport are indebted to the major league. So there's never any, you know, because there's partnerships and yes, whatnot. Because so your like, system is broken. <laughs> right. So like with baseball, you know. That would be a great idea. Like, you would cut out like the Pittsburgh Pirates, who haven't had a winning season, and I think I think they had one maybe five years ago. But yeah, up to then, so, someone else gets a shot at this. Right. In theory, I love that, but it'll never happen with the TV money and all this other stuff. So, but anyways, yeah. So the Rams, uh, talking about, are were an LA team first, then they moved to St. Louis, and then now they're back home, and now both the St. Louis Rams and the LA Rams have won the Super Bowl. Uh, 22 years in between, and I'm very happy. Um, so, so yes. Uh, but, but yeah, having an having an older guy watching the game with me and telling me I need to settle down might be a height mat experience. Um, so, so yes, very, very happy. Oh well, for the love of all things, let's end this quickly, and it's time for the May 2022 DC solicitations. This is all the books that are going to be released in May. Uh, as announced yesterday at the time of recording, and we're going to get into it. Uh, a couple of interesting new things in there, like I said. Uh, I've not looked at the solicits themselves yet, but I saw a few of the new things sort of spread around on Twitter. So let's dive in and discover as we go. First up, Batman issue 1, 2, 3. This is part 5 of <laughs> Shadow War. 
Are you laughing at one, two, three? I think I is. am. Because that's the order the numbers usually go in. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know, but still, just Batman one, two, three sounds like a new like kids book. You know, like a is like it like, a, like a, you have a Batman ABC alongside yeah. it. Yeah, the numbers yeah. and the letters. Yeah, yeah, I just said Batman number one, two, three. I, I wouldn't have laughed as much, but Batman one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. D oh. is for dead parents. Then the music version is Batman a one and a two and a. That's how you dance the Batootsie. Yes. I thought Carl would appreciate that joke, given his music background, but he not sold it. Because the, the more simple would have just been Batman 1, 2, 3, 4. I don't think that's distinct enough from just Pete? saying 1, 2, 3. Jesus Christ. You know, I know Pete's music taste, you know. I know where it kind of verges, but he does strike me as someone that would like math rock. With <laughs> weird time signatures and... So it does check out, Connor. I have never heard of math. Is this a real yeah. thing? No, it is. Okay. So that they play with the time signature, so it's all like, like super like, like music nerds really like it. So like, there's a metal subgenre of it, of course. And that's where you get like Dillinger Escape Plan, and it's all very wonky and weird, and you know, not my taste at all. But I figured it might be Pete's. I've not encountered it, so I can't yeah. uh, can't comment. Uh, we got Shadow War Part 6 with Deathstroke Inc. Issue 9. Then we got Part 7 with Robin Issue 14. And then we got Shadow War Omega Issue 1 to wrap up the crossover event. Uh, and it leads directly into DC's next big summer event, which... <laughs> Jesus. That's what it says at the end of the solicit text there. And that, that, that doesn't fill me with excitement after a, what, nine part? Yeah. Uh, I don't, uh, well, actually, I don't know if the alpha is part one or if that's like a zero part. And then this is part... So I don't well, so ten, ten would nine. make sense, right? Because then that's two two trades and one one big trade. So... Because well, um, Ro Robin was part seven and then Omega. So I don't know if this is part eight or if this is... You know, if, if alpha was part one. Hmm. Or if that was like a zero, essentially. So yeah, this like, is either eight or nine part. Like, part of me gets a little bit you know, tired of it just playing the one thing. The other part of me is like, that's what comics said when I first started reading them. So I don't know if I enjoy it or if it's just the nostalgia. Does, you know? just, does this just mean it's t like going to have some lead into uh, Dark Crisis? Is that all it's talking about? Because if it's I just Dark Crisis... So. I mean, because that's not, it's, it's Williamson. That's yeah. not a big deal though, because we already know about Dark Crisis. If it's another summer right. event, then I'll have more no, of a problem no, with it. I, I'm not having a concern about a, an, announcing another event. That wasn't It's just more... I'm already like, okay, this is a lot of books. I'm not really reading Deathstroke Inc., so I've got to, you know, pick up that. There's these Alpha and Omega issues, and then I'm I'm concerned now that the end of it is just going to feel like, oh, it's just prelude to the the next event that I'm you know, not but, that excited for. I get that, but I trust Williamson at this point. Like, you know, just like Incarnate only being like a prequel to to Dark Crisis, notwithstanding, he he's he's pretty good at telling the story where it needs to be. You know, um, so I'll reserve judgment. Like if Shadow Shadow War is a complete and total mess, then then yeah, that's gonna you know, tamper my expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's also Shadow War Zone issue one, which has got stories in it by Williamson, Ed Brisson, Stephanie Phillips, and Nadia Shamus, and this is um. Basically, a collection of stories, sort of like showing how the Shadow Wars impacted the DCU. Is a Talia Al Ghul uh, story, 
um, Black Canary, Luke Fox is in there. Uh, so this this seems to be like a companion one shot to go alongside Shadow War. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I imagine it's probably not a hundred percent necessary if I was to yeah. make a guess. Yeah, new villain Angel Breaker though, so it'll sell because speculators. <laughs> yeah, Angel Breaker. Yes. I mean, it's written by Williamson, Brisson, Stephanie Phillip, and Nadia Shamas. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm assuming they'll each do a story, yeah. but I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll end up picking this up because it's still Williamson. Yeah. Uh, so. Just given the lens, but you know, it's a bit annual sized or just a bit bigger than that, even. Yeah. I suspect it'll probably just be a, a oh, set man. of stories. So. Yeah, uh, next up, we got Batman Fortress issue one by Gary Witter. Uh, wow. And art by Derek Robertson. Do you know what's so weird about Gary Witter? Is that I actually know him as someone who does a gaming podcast, and I only wow. just found out this past week or two that he was like one of the writers on like Rogue One. <laughs> I'm like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, he was the original writer on it. <laughs> I think he's written for some games as well, though. Like, he wrote, um, I believe, the Walking Dead Telltale games that were generally quite well regarded for their writing. Mm. I had no idea he was a writer until a couple of weeks and, ago. Um, so. He wrote the original Prey game. Not the not the one from a few years ago, the, the, the first one. Oh, the first one that only a very small select people... I mean, they, t- they seem to praise it, but only a small select people played it. Yes, I, I know. everyone who t- who has played it seems to love it, right? Yeah. Um, I just know him from writing on Rebels. Also, uh, people people may know him as the creator of Loodle, the lewd spin-off to Wordle. Is that a real thing? I've never it heard of a real it. Thing. He but... made it as a coding joke where basically it's it's Wordle, except all the words are, you know, lewd. Wait, are, are we talking swear words? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Swear words, just, you know, yeah, that, that sort of stuff. There's it's... also a squabble. If you fancy Wordle, but it's Battle Royale, then you can go play that. Uh, if you want to be on like a time sensitive crunch where you're trying to beat other people uh, hell no I don't need that type of stress in my life <laughs> uh, but I also saw that um, so so the artist on here Derek Robertson uh, CBR made a big boo boo and credited him as Robert Derrickson and he has <laughs> he has taken this and ran with it uh, on Twitter it's very funny I I I like him, I follow him on Twitter. I like him as a personality. I'm not a huge fan of that. He's yeah. he's the guy from who did the uh, the boys, right? Yeah. Um, which I don't love. He, I think uh, he did that Hellblazer mini with Tom Taylor uh, a couple of years back. That sounds right. That we tried the first issue of. Like, like it's 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 not. I it's don't not remember to my tastes, thinking the art in that was bad though. It's not bad. It's just not to my tastes as a rule, which kind of dampens my personal excitement for this book, but. Uh, I'll probably try anyway because I tend to like Gary Ware. It's a new miniseries, though, so I'll read the uh, solicit text here. So it's an eight issue uh, series. Uh, when an unknown alien ship enters Earth's atmosphere, disrupting global power and communications and plunging the planet into chaos, the world is left wondering where is Superman when he is needed most? In the mysterious well, well, absence uh... of the last one of Krypton, Batman must rally the rest of the Justice League to counter the alien threat. But first, he must quell a crime wave on the blacked out streets of Gotham. What's weird about this is there's already like a, a black label book right now about Gotham not having power, which is really yeah. funny to me that this is also happening. But that doesn't have an alien invasion happening. No. I'm really enjoying that other yeah, bit, though, so this has got some <laughs> shoes to uh, to fill. But um, 
I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of Rogue One, so, but I have no idea what Witter's writing is like in a comic well, book, and I have no idea what he's like writing Batman. So I'm not sure anyone really knows what his writing's like on yeah. Rogue One, given Yeah, because I was going to say, from what happened. I understand, his draft was a little bit different. It was a little bit more Star Wars and less bleak, which I like, because again, his, his episodes of Rebels I enjoyed, and they're very Star Warsy. y um, So... I mean, I don't know. Yeah, even with Rebels, though, it's not a good like because if he's a writer on it, like if he's doing a couple episodes on a TV show that already has an established no, style yeah, yeah, and there's a showrunner, it's hard to gauge how much of his episodes are purely just down to his own True. skill. True, I was just using that as a prop up against Rogue yeah. One, which I I don't like. It's a finely made movie. I uh, just don't like watching it. I, I guess so. what I'm saying is, though, despite the fact yeah. that we've all seen something from yeah. his writing work, I don't, don't feel know. I don't feel we can gauge anything from any of it, is I guess what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. So, I hope, I hope it sounds like a fun enough premise. Uh, you know, I mean, admittedly, more bat books is always mm-hmm. something that you can roll your eyes at, because DC is going to sell a lot of bat books, but... Uh, yeah, but as long as they keep selling, they're going to keep making them, and I mean, I can't argue there's a supply and demand thing going on with it, so there you go. I mean, go. we're all pretty guilty of buying them anyway, right? Well, this is the thing, they I, keep putting good people on them, so they keep being yeah, good. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> depends, you know? Like, I didn't I didn't want to like the imposter. I just, Look, I can't I'm, help I'm it not that it ended up being good. I'm not saying we all exclusively buy every bat book as a rule. Clearly right. we don't. But the problem is, enough of them are good that we do end up buying them, so... Right. Yeah, most of them anyway. Yeah. You know. uh, you know, as what it is, it's, 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 it's almost a little bit self-perpetuating because it's, uh, you know, you put the good creators on the Batman books, therefore the Batman books are really good, so you want to read them and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman 2022 Annual Issue 1, uh, notably not by Williamson this, this is no. uh, Ed Brisson writing this with John Timms on art. Uh, so Still following on though from the Abyss, Abyss stuff, it's kind of dealing in the aftermath of that. Yeah, notably we got got Clown Hunter on the cover as well as uh, Ghostmaker. So he's really out. They're really using uh, those tiny creations in this. Mm. Uh, I mean, Matt says he's out. Are you actually out? Maybe I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Depends on that week. Oh, he's definitely not out. Matt, Matt likes to throw. He's. he's... I never around. went back and read the last Batman annual, which is the end of that Ghostmaker story. So, yeah, well, none was, of us did. <laughs> that was tied to the Ghostmaker story. This is, yes, it features Ghostmaker and Clown yeah. Hunter, but this is more directly set in the aftermath of the story yeah. that we're currently reading. Now, if as it was Williamson to... and these characters I don't care for, then I'd be like, oh, I'm going to read it. This being Ed Brisson uh, could just be superfluous. Uh, it could be. It very well could be. Uh, it could, yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's that. We got Batman One Dark Knight issue three. Speaking of the the book with the power outage plotline, I love this cover because he looks like an absolute madman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, issue three of three coming out in May. So I assume that means issue two is like this month or next month. Next month maybe. God knows what these I don't books. Know. Uh, but yeah, I really like issue one, so I'm looking forward to issue two. Uh, so we got Flashpoint Beyond issue two because uh, I know we're all excited to see what this crazy thing is. Uh, and issue three and issue four. Oh, and issue three. That's right. I, f- I forgot this was coming out quickly. Every two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you got issues two, three, and four all all in there. Uh, and then we got the Flash, the fastest man alive, issue two. Uh, this is uh, the Ken Porter and Hon- uh, Jan Faria story. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I forgot it was Faria. I'm excited to see Faria's yeah, art again. 
didn't remember that at all, and now I'm suddenly more interested because yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, you know, you know, it's just the issue. Many yeah. we got it's a Barry story, and we're getting Wally in the main book right now. So I mean, there's reasons to yeah. be interested. I just is this the like... one that was the tied to the the movies? I don't think so. This is I don't. So I remember there was one last month that had a, a weird name that we yeah. weren't sure what it was. Um, <laughs> I can't tell from the cover. I don't know if they, oh, we'll look at the very Yeah, no, because it says Barry Allen's early days as the Flash continue. Maybe um, it is the one tied to the, the movie. I don't know. I'm going to look right now. Uh, next up, we got Action Comics 2022 annual issue one. Uh, so I guess obviously we have two annuals so far. That tells me there's a fifth Tuesday in May. Uh, so this is, this is Keddie Johnson along with Cy Spurrier uh, on this book with Dale Eaglesham and Ian Churchill on the art. So, Damn it, Connor, you're correct. It is oh, well. it is the one that ties in, so... Sorry. Oh, and we should have known. It's got a variant cover by Andy Muschietti. Oh, there you uh, go. There, there it is. I was, I was going to complain that I don't like when they take Wally's uh, villains and, and apply them to Barry. So mm. Tar Pit being here. Um, but now I, I can just skip it. It's, it's movie continuity, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a shame that you're wasting a really good artist on that. Yeah, yeah. true. So yeah, I have to say that first action comics cover, I'm not super into. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, the Frank Avila one. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I don't know. There's something weird about the uh, Superman's face in that one. I'm just not super into. And I, I it's, like Frank Avila's art typically. It's very Kirby-esque yeah. on here with yeah, the I, colors and the dots. Um, I like the other cover, the uh, the more painted-looking one. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's classic Superman. Yeah, play. I mean, that's, that's that, the cover. Frank, of... That Frank Avila one is one of my favorite covers that we've seen yet in these solicits. Uh, uh, I like, like Frank Avila art, usually, quite a bit. Uh, not in love with that cover, though. But hey, that's what it is. Uh, Aquaman Andromeda issue one. So here's one of the, mm-hmm. the just in new books that I saw shared on Twitter. This is Ram V doing an Aquaman Black Label book uh, with art by Christian Ward. Who's also pretty great. Yeah, I'll, I'll read the description for this since it's a new Black Label book. I mean, they may not the whole thing. There's usually some fluff at the end, but... Deep in the Pacific Ocean, at the farthest possible distance from any land, sits Point Nemo, a space... Sorry, the spaceship Graveyard. Since the dawn of the space race, the nations of the world have sent their crafts there on splashdown to sink beneath the silent seas. But there is something else at Point Nemo. A structure never made by human hands. And that structure seems to be waking up. The crew of the experimental submarine Andromeda, powered by a mysterious black hole drive, have been chosen to investigate the mystery. But they aren't the only ones pursuing it. Anything... Uh, of value beneath the ocean is a value to the master pirate Black Manta and anything that attracts Black Manta attracts Arthur Curry his lifelong foe the Aquaman <laughs> I'll, I'll stop there uh, this sounds this is fun this is it, this seems it, mentions, uh, it's bringing a cosmic horror sensibility yeah. to the world of Aquaman there's a quote yeah. there that I, well, I'm like yes I'm in Typically speaking, whenever you mix Aquaman with horror, I tend to like the results yeah. because aquatic horror is something we don't get enough of just in general. Yeah, yeah considering how much of the Earth is covered by water. Um, yeah. yeah. I, was, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. There's a podcast called The Magnus Archives. Nope. Uh, it's like a, a narrative podcast. that um, The format is kind of they read out statements of you know, s- stories from people like, yeah, they're like, 
uh, eldritch-esque horror. Mm-hmm. And so it manages to jump around, tell a lot of different style of stories with having like an, uh, has like an overarching narrative as well. Uh, but the standout episode in the first like hundred odd for me is this one set underwater, you know, this, this diver. And there's, you know, there, there's just something, you know, monstrously large down there. And, you know, and you just get this glimpse and because of this all in audio, it's really effective. Uh, Might have to send that one to me. Yeah. Does it sounds, yeah. It's good. Yeah, no, I'm not. I think the, obviously, Brown B's been doing great stuff, but you take a t- Aquaman horror and then you add in this extra kind of submarines going to investigate a mystery kind of angle, and I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> Were you reading Aquaman when uh, Colin Bunn had, I think it was Colin Bunn, had like those three issues, and it felt like they were they were building to Aquaman versus Cthulhu? Just right near the end of the, the book. New 52 before yeah. Abnett took over. I think so. Yeah. I think I read yeah. that. Oh, man. It it's was. Been a while, he, they were teasing all sorts of Lovecraftian stuff. And then it just. He, creative differences and he left. So, uh, very, very sad. But yeah. Um, I, I've never thought of, of Black Manta as a pirate, but I mean. I mean, he uh, definitely is a pirate. He kind of is. No, yeah. I know. But like, I think of him as a supervillain first, pirate second, right? Like. You know, so for them to call him a master pirate here, I was like, yes, let's let's lay it all the way into that. Uh, next up, we got Earth Prime Legends of Tomorrow issue three, which is obviously nothing particularly notable. It's a TV show tie-in, but I will except s- it says, "Hold on to your beepers." I was so. I was just going to say the first line of the solicit text is, "Hold on to your beepers," which I do appreciate. Uh, so there's that uh, Earth Prime Star Girl issue four again, uh, one of these TV tie-in things. Uh, then we have the one we knew about from last week or two weeks ago, the Jurassic League issue one, <laughs> with Daniel Warren Jordan and Juan Gideon writing with art by uh, Jean Gideon. So, yes. Uh, I mean, what can you say? It's the Justice League, or at least the Trinity as dinosaurs. And mm-hmm. oh, they're all dinosaurs. Everyone's dinosaurs. Man, it's going to be fantastic. Gets us so wrong. Because we talked about it last time that 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 dinosaur is not a Tyrannosaurus. It's an Allosaurus. Mm-hmm. But here, they say a Tyrannosaurus Rex dons the visage of a bat to strike fear into evil to his arts. I was like, guys, come on. So we're writing these solicits. Get it together. There's, there's sometimes where you know, you can tell the solicits are being written by corporate and other times where they're right. being sent by the creators. Right. This is a, this was a corporate solicit for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, next up, we got Anubia, the Coronation Special Issue 1. This is a one-shot. Uh, I presume this is uh, coming out of the events of Trial of the Amazons and mm-hmm. setting up wherever Nubia is going next. I would so. say, given that the first line is after the events of Trial of the Amazons, I'm going to say yes. Yes. Man. All those covers look good. Let's click through all of them. Uh, yeah, it's actually quite nice uh, covers. I'm not, actually, I'm not just kidding the black and white one at the end, but... Yeah. Um... That's still pretty okay. I do like the the first one they're showing, the, which I'm assuming is the David Mack one, because I love yeah. that. Man. Yeah, yeah, the splashes of colour, yeah, I really like that stuff. Uh, so, that is cool. I mean, maybe if I do end up reading all a Trail of the Amazons, and I'm not sure if I am yet, but if I do end up reading it all, maybe I'll read this if I'm mm-hmm. into it enough. But, uh, yeah, this is, you know, this is another big one-shot. I assume this is out in the... Oh, no, it's not in the fifth week. This is out on the first week of the month. All right, fair enough. Uh... Hey, uh, so you got that. Uh, DC versus Vampires Hunters issue one. What is this little? This is a one shot. 
uh, by Matthew Rosenberg writing Neil Gouge on the art. A blood-soaked one-shot tale of vampire violence. The son of Batman, after years of training to be an assassin, is on a path toward utter destruction of the vampire race. Enter Damian Wayne, Vampire Hunter. So is this like just like something they've thought up whilst they've been scripting? Oh, the, the, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. obviously we knew that you know Tynan had done like the, the first like you know the plot of the the series. And it's notably, he's not yeah. connected to this, and this doesn't even seem like it's in the same continuity. Weirdly, because this this kind of just feels like let's take that premise and just do a Damien issue. Yeah, but I don't know. You maybe want to see Damien Wayne fight vampires? Yes. Here you go. I mean. You know, it's not even oversized, so it's actually an easy, you know, it's a a cheaper book, and it's, you know, it's just a regular size book, so it's not... I, a... I assume, assuming you've been enjoying that main book, you're probably going to want to pick this up. Mm-hmm. I am. I imagine I'll enjoy it for what it is, yeah. Uh, next up, here's another big new book that I saw on Twitter, Danger Street Issue 1. This is a new Tom King book with Jorge Fornes, and it is, well, it's, it's basically pulling in a lot of weird characters into uh, a premise. So this is a 12-issue prestige Tom King book, Black mm-hmm. Label. Uh, here's the solicit text. Joining the Justice League is a goal for any superhero, but what happens when a quest for membership takes a sinister turn? Join Starman, Metamorpho, and Warlord as they look to prove themselves worthy by summoning and defeating Darkseid and Baal. Soon they'll learn that calling upon a new god never ends well and their world is headed for a crisis as a result. The journey to save the day will be treacherous one, filled with uh, princesses, knights, and all kinds of monsters. Each person the heroes encounter plays a crucial role in sprawling yet gripping narrative that is a little, is a little bit silly, a whole lot dark, and completely cool. Expect the unexpected with a supporting cast featuring Manhunter, Lady Cop, the Green Team, and the Creeper. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it, no, not mentioned anywhere in that text, but clearly Doctor Fate Eight. is on yes. the cover. It's a very nice cover as like well. The, they're like, they're just trying to go. Hey, y- y- you want to read a Tom King book, right? To yeah. Me? Like, like they're, they're desperate for me to try. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, that's be... what they, they were thinking. Just a corner when they were trying to build this. this I, I, I think they were because nothing else there. Was like, I'm like, I'm yeah, like sure, I could probably just skip this. And then they, then they throw Doctor Fate on the cover. I'm like, damn it. Maybe I need to check it out. Yeah. This is the sort of thing in- where, like, King's just earned enough cred with these series now. I don't care who's in it. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I'm in. Well, this feels like it was made just for me. Like, all these obscure characters, and he's been posting, like, like old covers of, like, the Green Team, which is a team of kid billionaires, and and Lady Cop, which, of course, is a, is a lady that's also a cop. Um, and it's just like he's going through the archives and just almost, like, Almost like he challenged himself. Like, give me a bunch of obscure characters and I will make a story out of it. Um, and he's always been teasing like his dream scenario for the Justice League. And he had put up um like these action figures, and one of them was Starman. Um, but it's the alien one, Prince, is it Prince Gavin? Uh, I think. That's what I'm looking at right now. Um uh, so yeah, just yeah. completely weird. And the, the variants Doctor Fate as well. Uh, mm-hmm. taking off the helmet. So, yeah, definitely some Doctor Fate in here. I mean, I, I mean, I love the cover. Uh, I'm all for Tom King taking these smaller obscure characters, and I mean, obviously, some are more obscure than others. But I'm all for him taking them and sort of like giving them these prestige platforms where like 
this may become the definitive version of some of these for a lot of people because yeah. they're in like a prestige story. So yeah, uh, it's again for for me, you know, his here at the end, it's like a multi-layered crime drama, which tells me, okay, this is Tom King doing Tom King, right? Uh huh. I Means it's hard to want to read it now for me. I get like you know, for his audience, like you guys, like that's like oh, okay, yeah. perfect. I mean, and this is Fornes. This is this is the yeah. Rorschach team. They had me at King and Fornes. I didn't even care what else it was about. Like I didn't even know what the full story was about until right now. Um, I mean, this, I just... this could be a Jason Todd book, and me and Matt would be all in anyway. Uh-huh. No, I, I get it. I get the uh, the appeal. Like, if you're into to King and, and you Fornes, obviously is fantastic. I have nothing bad to say about Fornes. Want to make that clear? That's not what Connor said before we started recording. Called him a chump. I mean, he might be a bit of a chump. Who knows? Said his art was. I didn't say that. That of barely a Tom King level, that's what he said. <laughs> I am on record praising Fornes multiple times. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> but um Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean we'll see if I try it or not. <sighs> we'll see how busy it is the week it comes out. Or basically, if I'm at work that week and, and I'm not on the show, the chances of me catching up after are very slim. Mm. Uh, next up we got Blood Syndicate Season 1 Issue 1 uh, by Jeffrey Thorne art by Criss Cross and John Castro so this this is a Maelstone book I assume yeah, yeah. it looks like uh, yeah okay uh, I can't say I'll probably try especially since Thorne's done Green Lantern which I have uh, dropped I saw the first time on Twitter people not liking Green Lantern outside mm. of us so um yeah, it feels nice to know it's not just us. Well, I think it's more damning that there's just very few people even talking about it. Never mind saying yep. they don't like it. So someone also, I remember someone maybe it was yesterday. Someone pointing out that at its height there was like six ongoing Green Lantern books, right? Which was the same amount as ongoing Bat books at that time. Mm-hmm. And now there's barely one to fit this entire galaxy of yeah. I mean, of most characters. most of the new Fifty Two had four books going. Yeah, at a time, right? Yeah. I mean, which, which, uh, which admittedly, but... I think, was a little bit much, and probably why it burned out yeah. a little bit. I think before New Fifty Two, when it was like two or three, I think was just right. about right. Yeah, I think there was a. I think it can handle Greenland and Greenland and Core, and then a third like mini right. that rotates through various things is probably right. What the the book, mm. you know, what that that corner of the universe can comfortably handle and sell. I would assume. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Just thought it was interesting too how how far it's fallen, you know, since. Um, and yeah. I, I do. I missed that. I missed that corner of, of the DCU. Yeah, uh, do issue one by Greg Pak, which I do love. Greg Pak as a writer, yeah. so uh, that name sticks out here. Art by Koi Fam and Scott Hanna. That's another milestone uh, new book. Um, yeah, I think the interesting thing for me is they're calling it Earth M for milestone stuff yeah. now. It's interesting. As of this book, uh, so kind of set, you know, going, hey, no, this is just where all this stuff exists, and, and that's cool. I like that in the multiverse you can do something like that, you know. Yeah, uh, it's introducing two thrilling new superheroes in the body of one. That's 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 your that's where the title comes from. So very, very Firestorm, very Shazam. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but yeah. see, uh, then it's. Uh, Telling us about the Static Season 1 hardcover. So, obviously, mm-hmm. that, that stuff's starting to be collected now, which is nice. 
Uh, and then, of course, we have stuff we knew about, which is Justice League Road to Dark Crisis issue one, the one shot leading into the event, mm-hmm. which we didn't know about. Uh, that's coming. Did we out. know there was that many stories, like that much, you know, big teams on this? I mean, I think we knew it was going to be like a collection of stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't so, know if we know the exact list of names, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, but these are all big names, right? Not big names. But these are like the main names writing current books. You have your Williamson's. Jeremy Adams, Brandon Thomas, Chuck Brown, who that one's not ringing a bell, unless that's the Black Manta writer. Uh, Stephanie Phillips and Philip Kennedy Johnson, all writing. Um, I hate when they do this with the artists when they just add Adam and more. Yeah. Because then I can't try to pair them, you know? Um, so. I think sometimes because it's a lot of short stories, they don't necessarily have them locked down yet. <laughs> so right. That could be too. Mm-hmm. They still haven't done it yet. Uh, but yeah, you got the Flash writer in there, you got the Superman, or sorry, the action, I should say, writer in there. So yeah, there's obviously people who are tied to stuff that's going on that are contributing. Uh, yeah. Um, Brandon Thomas, is is he the one that's been doing... He's been doing the Titans Academy. That's Tim stuff. Sheridan, isn't it? Oh, that's yeah, Tim that's Sheridan. He's, Tim he's Sheridan. the, the yeah. Aquaman and Aqualad. That's right, yeah. right, right, yeah. He's the, he's the Aqua Coroner of the world, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, and then, of course, Dark Crisis, Freak Out, but the special... Uh, as well, which we again we knew about. Uh, so, uh, yeah, makes sense. Interesting to see Wonder Girl on there. Yeah, well, it's got and also as the uh, the other Batman and what's his Tim Fox. Oh yeah, there. So. Yeah. Well, when I mean, we talked about the idea of legacy, it's you know it's the idea mm-hmm. that this is like three new versions of the the Trinity, and we talked about the other covers when we talked about this uh, yeah. last week or the week before. Uh, so. Very cool. Uh, and then we have Galaxy the Prettiest Star, free comic day special edition. Uh, I assume it's a tease for one of those uh, young adult graphic novels that they're doing. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and similar vein, DC League of Super Pets, free comic day special. It makes sense. A lot of the free stuff is appealing to the younger audience to try and hook them in. It does. And this one is oh, this one's obviously an excerpt for a, a graphic novel as well, but the yeah. graphic novel is a sequel to the upcoming movie. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is written by Heath Corson, who did that Bizarro book that I really love. Oh, with I him and... that was. Yeah, so this this at least will probably be... I'll probably pick this up on Free Comic Book Day. Oh, for... uh, I mean, it'll be free, so why not, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Zatanna, the Jewel of Gravesend. So this is the... Yeah, one of these young adult graphic novels. Yeah, that's uh, what it seems like. Yeah. Uh, and we have a Black Adam, Rise and Fall of an Empire. Uh, this is a collection of something. <laughs> it's, it's the Black Adam issues from 52. Yeah. Really? That's what it is? It's just the Black yeah. Adam stories? Yeah. yeah, which, sign me up, because that was good until uh, the whole World War Three mini-event. Um, I mean, I, I would still recommend people just read 52, but... I would as well. There's, there's a few <laughs> Black Adam trades here, because, you know, there's a Black Adam movie coming. Well, obviously, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's no denying Con- why they're doing this. Connor, Connor. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about fate? Uh, I I didn't watch the full thing. I just saw like the that snippet. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. His yeah. gonna kill his fate. Yes. And see it. I haven't seen anything from the Super Bowls. That's. I, I watched it else. I yeah. just saw that because I was like, I I, I want to see fate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Black Adam: The Dark Age New Edition. So they're reprinting that. Uh, and then we got Black Adam GSA Black Rain. So they're reprinting that, which is just a story yeah. from uh, JC yeah. Hawkman. Yep. It's a good story. Stuff. Yeah. 
so, I mean, it's, it's, obviously I get why they're promoting Black Adam's specific stuff, but it's, it's, it's there's a couple of things here that are like, yeah, I mean, th these are cool, but like, I'd recommend just reading the whole thing rather than just that specific little snippet. Yeah, but, if you know. get someone into a comic shop, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's good to have on, on hand, just like, here, you like the movie? Here's this. Oh, you know. Yeah, so uh, the Batman 89 trade is there. Uh, Detective Comics Volume 2 Fear State is there. So I guess they started Volume 1 from Volume 1 again when Tamaki's run took over. Yeah. Uh, I think DC have been doing that for a while with their numberings where they kind of, for the trades, they tend to restart the numbering with. Not with teams. all of them because I'm pretty sure I, I saw from later in the solicits, I saw it on Twitter, uh, like the, the next volume of Flash is like Volume 16 and it's the Return of Wally West. So they haven't renumbered that one. Okay, that's a strange choice. I know they've been doing it with a lot. So they did it with Batgirl. I know that. I know they did it with. Batman recently, like when that jumped over. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's at least one example that I saw that is. Yeah. They're letting the numbers go wild for whatever reason. Uh, no consistency. The Sandman Universe Nightmare Country issue two. This is Tynan again. Yeah. Just to remind Looks like you, what Christian Ward's the guest artist this time, which is exciting for me. Big fan. Sure. So it's got a nice cover. Can't deny the the face coming out the closet. Good stuff. Uh. Fables 151. Yes, picking up exactly where it left off. God knows how That's many right. years ago at this point. And if I remember correctly, 150 was like a full graphic novel, right? When they, when they finished it originally. It might well have been that long, yeah. I, 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 think, I, I feel like that was the, 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 the thing was that you know, the last issue was actually just a full trade on its own. Uh, but yeah, so if you're a Fables fan, I'm sure you're, you're pumped for more Fables. Um, it's back for at least twelve issues, judging by well, this story is part one of twelve. Um, yeah. But it's not a it's not a mini; it's straight up just a continuing. So, but we'll see if it continues after that. I one. mean, it could just be the twelve issues, and then maybe he could take another few years off and come back when he's got another twelve could issue be, story yeah. in, in him. You know, it's, uh, it depends on sales, I suppose. It's basically it's, it's becoming the it's like the Kirby enthusiasm model. There's another season when Larry David's thought of another yeah. batch of stories to tell. Who's who? Who is this lady with the bear? What? <laughs> so I was clicking through the other covers, and there's the lady with an oh, arrow, yes. or the bone arrow, and, and a bear. Is she the bear? Well, it's the same lady as the front cover, who... Yeah. It's got a bit of a, an Indiana Jones hat almost thing going. A, a little. Yeah, it's a bit of an adventure vibe to her. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit Robin Hood-esque as well, right? With the, the yeah. cousin green. Yeah, well, I was going to say it was like Indiana Jones and Green Arrow had a had a had a girl that was ginger, and in a lot of ways, this is Matt's perfect woman. Not actually, now that I'm really thinking about it. <laughs> um, all right. So the rest of the singles that actually comics one thousand forty three. Uh, not much to say really. Obviously, the ongoing books are straightforward enough. Yeah, we can oogle at some covers perhaps. Uh, that second cover with the him over the earth is is pretty. Um. Aquaman issue four, that's still ongoing. Mm -hmm. Batgirls issue six. <laughs> yeah, um, I I missed last week. Um, are, are we all out on, on Batgirls? Pete's definitely not. I'm still reading for okay. now. Okay, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I like that second cover with Ca Cass on the bus. That's a really nice cover, actually. Yeah. Just yeah. before we move on, Matt was right. Uh, Chuck Brown, who was on the Whichever issue had Black a Manta. Of yeah, is is on the Aquaman book yeah. as well. Okay. So, so those two books feuded are fused. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh Batman Beyond New Year issue two this is the Kelly and Lansing mm -hmm. uh Batman Beyond book. Uh Batman Beyond the White Knight issue three, so that's still going. Batman Killing Time issue three. This is the six issue Tom King mini that 
based on his recent Batman work, I'm not super excited about it. But, you know. Oof, yeah, that was a, a rough Bat-Cat issue. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I was I was pretty mixed on it as well, Matt, last week. Um, yeah. It's, uh, got, it's got a small one cover, though. So, like, uh, oh. that's cool. I mean, that is, that is it's a very nice cover, yeah. I mean, even the main cover's quite nice as well. I mean, they're both very yeah. pretty covers. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be checking this out. It's King and Marquez, but I don't know. Like, maybe this is a little bit more traditional Batman. So I think that's how he was selling it, so we'll see. Yeah. We should be close to issue one by now, so yeah. Uh, hopefully it, it turns out to be a fun book. Uh, Batman The Night, issue five. So obviously we'll talk about issue two a little bit later in the show, mm-hmm. so stay tuned for that. Uh, Batman Urban Legends issue 15. Um, it's impressive that this this big, you know, 60 plus page expensive yeah. book is still going 15 issues in. Yeah. I mean, it helps though too that it seems like there's a full rotation going on where they're just putting in these stories, you know, so it keeps it fresh. It, it kind of feels like a, a spiritual successor to something like Legends of the Dark Knight. Except yeah. this is more of a, a Bat family. You know, it doesn't have to specifically just be Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a testament to what we're saying earlier about Batman just being a really reliable seller. Is that this, mm-hmm. this, like, I don't feel like you could do this with any other family in DCU and have it last be on six issues. I don't think they'd sell enough. Yeah, I know, because it is so deep. Like, it's a deep roster to yeah. pull from. But, but where else are you going to put a story about Batman teaming up with Plastic Man against the Penguin and KG Beast? That's true. very true. That's very true. And that is a story that the world needs. Batman, Superman. That that might be the Joey Esposito. That's what I was going to say. That's very Joey Esposito. And then I looked up and there he is. Uh, Good for him. Yeah, yeah. He's actually in a DC book. Uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, issue three. This is the Wade and Dan Mora book. Super excited for this. You don't have to tell me. Yeah, I know. Is that Superman Blue that they're doing? Yeah. Yeah. It does look like Superman Blue on the cover. No denying that. Um, Oh, no. Don't look at the third cover. Oh, I have to now. <laughs> uh, uh. But this is set, don't. This is set in the past, though, so I wonder if this is... I don't know what's going on here. Oh, well. We'll find out. Uh, for those of you who are not looking at these, uh, the Batman Who Laughs appears to be on that cover. But uh, we'll see what that means. It may not mean anything. Sometimes covers just have shit on them. Uh, True. Next up, Catwoman issue 43. So that's still going. You got Catwoman and Harley and roller skates on the cover. I do you really like that cover? Yeah. Actually, like all the covers for this. It's uh, some good covers. I'm not surprised. Not surprised. Uh, Detective Comics 1060. Um, still Tamaki oh. on this. I'm quite happy about that. Keeping the co writer yeah. as well, though. Yeah, Shamas. Uh, another name from that DC special or from yes. the. Yes. Yeah. Which so. is someone who I'm unfamiliar with, except that I have. Uh, upcoming graphic novel Squire pre-ordered and happened for months since I saw it at Thor Bubble, which because it was a like a fantasy urban fantasy magic night thing, I was like, cool, that's cool, I'll pre-order it. Yeah. Did, did we establish for sure last time that it was a co-writer and not a backup writer? There's no mention of a backup story. Oh, that means there isn't one necessarily. No, it says backup written by Sina Grace, backup art by oh, Dave yeah. Lapham. Oh, there so you go. This okay. is a co-writer. Fair. Um, I like I like uh, Riddler's cool new facial hair. Uh, yeah, Riddler on the cover has got a beard. Better better than that gimp mask from uh, 
I actually really like the uh, the second cover. It's this the. I thought he was going to say "Real Life: The Gimp Master." No. <laughs> me too. Uh, me too. The, the 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 question mark on the bat. Spray paint logo, yeah, uh, yeah or on his chest, I should say. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he NWO'd him. Yeah, basically, yeah, and obviously the Behermo cover is pretty yeah, solid, gorgeous as always. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, that's not wrong with the Gimp Master. Gimp Master. <laughs> <laughs> So if, you know, Peter's pro gimp mask. You bet, if Tarantino can put a gimp in Pulp Fiction, then uh, Matt Reeves can put a gimp in the Batman. <laughs> that's the sure. gauge. Uh, Future State Gotham issue thirteen. That's still going. Um, so cool. Uh, we got Harley Quinn issue fifteen. I'm sure Connor can't wait. How? Like, I try not to talk ill of people, but like. <laughs> Is it just me, or is Rosmo's art just getting more out there? Like, the lines just keep getting longer, and, like, the proportions are off. What, what, what a critique of, of an artist. The lines just keep getting longer. Like, look at... But look at her cape. Look at Batwoman's cape. Uh, her mask. That. Like, it's just, like... It, it used to start as, like, oh, this is just a style. Sure. It's over-exaggerated. Now it's like over, over exaggerated. Joe, you know I think I, partly I hate about Rosmo's art, particularly in the way he draws the human figure, is that yeah. Batwoman there looks like she belongs in a Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And I hate it. And I like Nightmare Before Christmas, but I, I agree, I don't like it. Yeah. There, there's a time for that style and there's a time for not. And like it worked in Martian Manhunter because of all the shape shifty kind of weird stuff he could do. But here, I just, I don't get it. And if you like it, cool. I'm not here to argue. Taste is subjective, but it's just not for me. My feelings are well documented. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, am ba- I am Batman issue nine. So there you go. Uh, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. Matt's upcoming favorite uh, <laughs> from Bendis. I kind of want to read it, but I don't want to get fooled. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. It's... Uh... Uh, I like I like Scott Kudlowski as as an artist, you know. But this has burned me the last two years. Looney Tunes issue two six six. We get Mad Magazine issue twenty six. Monkey Prince issue four. Not much to say. But it's... Oh, he's got his head back. That's good. <laughs> I went mean, yes. Uh, Naomi season two issue three. Uh, I'm hopeful. Did... I am hopeful for this one because I did like season one of Naomi. Yeah. Did but... Did you watch the? I saw the. First episode was on, I think, last night. Were you, were you aware it was dropping already? Uh, I think it started uh, longer than that ago. It started yeah, in like, January. I might have seen a, yeah. a repeat. Yeah. Oh, shoot. So maybe I what I saw last night was a special airing. It's, yeah, it's, it was on late. It's at least a few in, because I remember them. It was like January okay. 14th or something that, that premiered. Yeah, because when I clicked on it, it said pilot last night. So maybe no. it was just a special airing. Um, but yeah. No, I haven't seen any of it. Uh mm. Uh, it, the the, uh, the pilot uh, didn't rank high in the uh, the Patreon voting for what pilots to try gotcha. in January, so well, I never checked that. I, uh, if I hear good things from you guys, I'll give it a whirl. Like I'm slowly getting through Superman and Lois still. Um, yeah, I haven't even watched that in a few weeks. Uh, they did, they yeah. did pull a an interesting swear of a few episodes out of season mm-hmm. two, which is where I left off. Um, that's cool. Uh, that's just, they, and it, you know what's funny is the swerve, which I won't spoil, but the swerve is kind yeah. of more for people who. Like us, who would guess, who would think they get something because of what they're teasing, mm-hmm. and then they go, ah, no, 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 no. I am. Um, I, I did see what this was. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's very reminiscent of something they did in the first season, though. It kind of is, yeah. 
Uh, this this to me felt even more because I think the first season one where they tease like a Luther and then it turns out to be something. Um, I feel like that because they just say Luther like casuals know who Luther is, so like mm-hmm. they get swerved too. I feel like this was like no, they're hinting at something that only nerds who know the comics. Damn uh, it. No. Well, when we when we take a break, let me know. Okay. <laughs> it'll be forever, and I don't want you to spoil the fair listeners. Okay. Uh, so yeah, now we season two. Uh, Nightwing issue ninety two. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was to say. So, so, so I love that that Taylor is taking his time here with stuff like Heartless is still going on. It looks like Blockbuster and him are facing off. So. Yeah, that stuff will be going like a good solid year by that point. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, uh, and all nice covers as well. You got the Campbell covers, really nice. You got uh, Jen Bartel cover. Is uh, it Bartel cover? Yeah, I need it. <laughs> oh, I need that Bartel cover because it's the they're having dinner and it's the entire family. Well, well, I guess he's a dick side of the family. It's all uh, it's all the bat girls with with yeah, the, and and his sister, his sister, yeah. That's uh, a good cover. Jim Bartell just keeps giving back. Oh, does this mean we're getting spoiler and Cass and Nightwing uh, at some point? Well, good. I can still read characters I, I, that I enjoy. I'm gonna say maybe, but probably not, because it says mm. uh, AAPI variant, which I don't know what that stands for, but it means it's a theme. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's for Asian American Pacific Islander. Uh, um, there you go. Yep, yep. So, so I would say it probably has absolutely no bearing on what's in the book. Okay. Yeah, they are eating Asian food. Uh, that's the the theme of the meal. So you mean it's good that we just didn't assume that based off of that, though. That's good for good on us. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I, I just yeah. I'm, I'm just pointing that out because now you yeah. said that's what I the just, theme is. I learned I learned that acronym last year for the the special that they released with all of the that's where monkey prints came from and mm. and, and all that. So, um, but it's not, yeah, it's not an acronym I come across very often. No. No. Uh, so next up, One Star Squadron issue six. Gotta get caught up on that. Rogues issue three, which I'm really looking forward to starting that. Ugh. That's the Black is... Label Williamson, uh, you know, the Rogues, the Flash Rogues story. Yeah. Is... What God, ring is Gorilla Grodd wearing? Is That's... that just a, a blinged out ring? I think so. I think it goes with the suit he's wearing. Yeah, he's got a pinstripe suit on. Yeah. It looks very, it looks Man. very pimping, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> Gorilla God, God goes Huggy Bear. Uh, Suicide Squad issue 15. So, Which is a final uh, issue. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's quite right. Uh, not the only one this that we're about to run into either. Uh, Superman Son of Kal-El issue 11. Uh, so that's still going. That's like the rising or, or there. Yeah. Notably not a final issue, just for the record. I didn't mean the next one yes. was final. Just There's another one coming no. up. Uh, Swamp Thing Green Hell issue 3. Really spreading those out, but issue one was great, yeah. so I will read, I will love. Thank you. Yeah. I mentioned Animal Woman here. Um wondering if that's Maxine. I'm I'm betting it is, but I mean... Well, I mean, how, how far in the future are we? Because remember it was... Oh, it's Old Man Constantine, isn't it? So. Yeah, we're pretty far in the future. Oh, that's true, that's true. So, so even even if it is Maxine, I expect her to be quite old at this point. Not just an adult, right, but like, right. in her later right. years. Right. No, uh, that makes sense. Connor, Connor pointed out Old Man Constantine, which... That book came out a minute ago. And a piece yeah, of I, I think it's probably 30 or 40 years ahead of okay. current time. That's uh, fair. Again, really just a rough guess, but yeah. And that's assuming Costi's not using some magic or something to keep alive. That is right, true. One, and she has ties to the red, right? So she could always, you know, a little bit different. Oh, but yeah. Uh, Task Force Z issue 8. 
So <laughs> Bane Bane finally got his chair and it doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty funny cover. I'll, I'll I'll give you that. I actually kinda like the other cover as well, the the red hood mask on the floor. Uh yeah. With the uh, red hood sort of standing there in silhouette. I, I still can't get over how they DC's made me want to read Jason Todd. I can't like I like this book a whole lot, right? And just like I look at that I used to look at a red hood image and cringe. And now I look at it and go, Oh wow. Like something I look forward to. It's just weird. Mm. Teen Titans Academy issue fifteen. Uh which then this is the other final issue, so I mean, obviously these books that are final issues are not ones we are reading because we didn't like them, so no, you know, no. If, if anything, I'm selfishly a little bit glad because it means that maybe we'll get a Teen Titans, Titans. book I do yeah. care about. Yeah. Or, I mean, Suicide Squad, I can, you know, take it or leave it. If they give me a good one, sure, I'll read it. But I'm not like, oh, I need one. I would really yeah. like a nice Titans book. It's been a while since we've read a Titans book that we liked, right? And like, there's, a, there's also that, I think the other side of that, though, is a little bit of worry, is like, well, what are they going to put these writers on now? If they do, they may not, but they may put these writers on something else. I would say they're definitely putting... Oh, actually, no, these aren't on any of those books, are they? No. no. Uh, Sheridan was doing something with Shazam, right? In Academy? Yeah, that so was tying, that yeah, the Shazam mini that was tying it. Yeah, but that was that's done though, I think. Right? No, I know, but hopefully that frees up Shazam and he doesn't just get a Shazam book. Well, we know sure. we've got the Shazam like Mary Marvel book coming later in the year by Shayna. Yeah, Shayna confirmed that it's still happening. He just got moved for whatever reason, but he said that it should come out seamlessly once it's out. He's working really hard. Yeah, because um, he was on. He was working for it for when it was originally scheduled, and then right. they they moved it after it was announced because they wanted to be yep. closer. I think to. I don't know if they want it to be near the Black Adam movie, or if they want it to be yeah. near to the next Shazam movie. Yeah, because Shazam 2 is maybe like the end of the year or something, right? Yeah, so it moved. He assured that it's still happening, and then um, someone said, he says, if if someone asks, where's Billy, I'm going to draw him dying in the worst way possible. So then Mitch Garrods went, where's Billy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their friendship is one of my favorite things on Twitter. It's entirely too wholesome. Um... And he referred to Shaner as Doctor Shaner. I forget what the thing was. It's his name. Name a, a doctor more iconic than so and so, and he said Doctor Shaner. Uh, yeah, I think it was a doctor you trust more than. Yeah, yeah, someone. there you go. I don't remember what the what the fictional doctor yeah. was, but yeah. Yeah, and so, but yeah, um, so that hopefully we start Shazam. I miss Shazam. As as wonky as that John's one ended up, it's you know much like Green Lantern. I miss miss that section. Hmm. Uh, the Flash 782, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Adams still in the book, and they're doing Rogue stuff, which is cool. Uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we do with that. Nasus and the Lake issue 9, obviously we're super pumped for that to come back. Yeah. Uh, that's a really sad, depressing looking cover. <laughs> God, I hope that's not blood. It looks like blood. <laughs> it's definitely blood, but... I hope it's a plumbing problem. <laughs> 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 uh, also, that, that's this poor, poor bastard in the towel. I, he has that look in his face. Is like, I messed up, guys. I'm sorry. I, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's the. Uh, I tried to flush something I shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, Swamp Thing issue thirteen. Uh, Ram V continuing uh, to get us to number sixteen, of course. Uh, so that's cool. That's a hell of a variant as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that that. Uh, 
from uh, an and arcade. No, I think that's the EM just one. That's the EM just one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's very nice though. Uh, regardless, uh, Wonder Woman seven eight seven. So this is kind of it coming out of Trial of the Amazon. Oh. So so May's when the book finally becomes free again. Yeah, from... and it seems like this is when we're starting to dive into the uh, the stuff from that annual with the. The, the guy that used Which to live on the mascara. And I'm glad, actually, because I like that annual. I like what that set up. So yeah. uh, even if I end up skipping Trail of the Amazons, I think, you know, me will be a good jumping I, back on. I'm also, yeah, caught optimistic about that in the sense that even if Trail of the Amazons is not for us, let's be generous and say mm-hmm. it that way, um, this feels like, no, this is still playing off of things that we set up that we have read that's from before, so we yeah. should yeah. be okay to jump back in. And even, and not to, I won't mention anything in it, but like even this issue of Wonder Woman that we're going to talk about today, which is the last issue before the trial of the Amazon mm-hmm. stuff starts, it did kind of feel like even something someone says at the end is like, oh, she can go off on her trip, but we'll prepare for her return. It almost felt like, you right. could jump off this right now and just come back. If you would like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I wish more writers did that. And, and that's not to say I want I'm advocating for events that I don't want to read because clearly I want to read good events yeah. and crossovers. But, you know, working in this mechanism for your story where, hey, yeah. if, if you're not going to read all these other books because maybe you maybe you only read Wonder Woman, which I'm sure, you know, that's that's the tentpole book out of the, the Wonder Woman family. I'm sure there are a lot of people who only do that. Suddenly you've got a lot more books to pick up and maybe that doesn't fit your budget. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Nice. And it, especially I think in this case where... The crossover isn't all being spearheaded by the Wonder Woman team themselves, so I think they, on some level, also feel like, well, this is a bit of a, a a tangent to our run, so we're going to treat it. I mean, not not disrespect the crossover, but we're going to treat it like, no, no. So some people will leave and come back, and just continue with our run. So we kind of have to treat it as a bit of a uh, a diversion for a little bit. Um, Mm. which works in the sense that, you know, if you are just reading Wonder Woman, it should be relatively seamless. I'm sure, I mean, she's going to reference that stuff's went down, I'm sure. Like, it's not going to just ignore it, but... Editor's notes should have you covered, though. Yeah, so... Or, or, uh, or just look at Wikipedia. So I'll say right here, the one thing that kind of bothers me about this is that there's three artists for a single issue. Sure. Um. So, and, and as much as, um, you know, uh, Lupacino is one of my favorites. Well, uh, isn't yeah. one of these for the backup, presumably? Again, there's no mention of no of a backup. But it could, it could it's be oversized, be... but yeah, it's forty pages. Well, they've all so... had backups recently. I mean, Wonder Woman's yeah. had backups for ages, so I'm assuming there is one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's got an extra writer with Jordi Belair, so it, it doesn't right. mention that she's doing a uh, a backup. But Belair was maybe... doing the the young Diana stuff that yeah. I skipped. Was she? Yeah, with with the kangaroo. Yeah, yeah I remember that. So I just don't remember that being Belair. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, Lupacino, though, hopefully Lupacino gets the lion's share of the art, because that'd be yeah. nice. Yep, yep. Uh, Wonder Woman Evolution issue 7. This is the Stephanie Phillips uh, mm-hmm. book. So that's uh, going. Mm-hmm. World of Krypton issue 6, which does have a very nice cover. I mean, obviously, I didn't like that first yes, issue. Yes, it does. Yeah, Supergirl holding baby Kal-El, presumably there. Uh, very, very nice cover. So Controversial cover, but I really don't like that cover. Really? The- the, I don't like the weird layering effect. Like, there's, there's you like, like the a, fire? It's there's a depth of field effect, but it yeah, feels really jarring and just like it, it feels like I can feel the layers in Photoshop being just stuck on top of each other. It doesn't feel. I hate you for bringing good. that up because I love the cover, and I'll just focus on on Kara and Cal, <laughs> and then I don't notice that. It's, I, I can I can just see the outline around them where they've just been pasted on top of a background image. That's like how it looks to me. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, Sorry. So there you go. That is the single issues. Uh, they're reprinting the fifty-two omnibus. So as I said earlier, read fifty-two. Uh, you need to give someone a head, head injury. Hit him with this. Yes, you can also yes murder someone with it if you really want to. Um, absolute swamp thing by Len Wein and Bernie Wrighton or Wrightson, sorry. Freaky uh, song with that as well. Absolute things are monsters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a huge. Um, I do prefer this. Uh, the size uh, in terms of like height of an omnibus versus an absolute though i think absolutes are maybe a bit too sizable more unwieldy to read but oh my god they are gorgeous in terms of just the actual yeah. like the art the, on them the Isn't... larger pages yeah it, it pops i, I don't yeah. have any i actually have any absolutes but i've got a couple of the the dark horse library editions which are the same size and they're just mm. once you get set up with them they're an absolute joy to read because the art just looks phenomenal uh batman adventure continues season two trade uh, makes sense. They did a Batman Court of Owls trade with a mask. <laughs> They've done it before. They're yeah. just redoing, yeah. reselling it. Uh, Batman and Deluxe Edition Book Six. So this is actually the Volume Six of the Rebirth uh, Deluxes. So they're finally doing the last part of Tom King's run in Deluxe. So if you've been waiting for it, if you've had Volumes One through Five, and you've been waiting for that last part to come out in the Deluxe hardcover, you're finally I'm getting. I'm sorry. It. <laughs> admittedly yes yeah, not the best and notably it's a little bit bigger because this is the final volume of his run so I think they made it a little bit bigger just so they could get to the end because it's like almost 500 pages yeah they're typically four trades though aren't they no no typically two trades just two yeah they're, they're mostly just uh, about 300 pages three, three, mm. 350 so this is notably about 50% extra at least and I think that's just because it wouldn't fit neatly into like another, you know, that looks the same size. Yeah. So, uh, but that wraps it up. So at least people can be completionist. Although, um, I don't know, they're, they're guilty of this many a times. But like the photos I saw of the spines of these, like upset me. They changed them halfway through. The, the first four, I think, are like the the white, white with the blue dress. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then the fifth one's like the black background instead. It's a black spine. Why do they do you that? You can actually see them on my camera. Uh, just, uh, these there, that's some yeah. Rebirth Deluxe ones, earlier ones. So yes, they changed the, the trade dress, uh, which is is upsetting for a multitude of reasons. Uh, they did another Gil Simone Birds of Prey collection. This is, uh, I think, the second one of her run. Maybe third, I don't know. I haven't, they're not numbered, I need so I can't a, tell. I need to pick these up. Like... I how much I like this. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, this is Checkmate trade, uh, the second Green Lantern trade from the current run coming out. Just like Dark, the Ram V backups and all that all being collected. Yep, I'll yeah. have to get that. I'll be grabbing great, that. Yeah, they're great wickedness. Uh, just like Infinity, which obviously was a mini series that was coming out, uh, as was Just League Last Ride. Uh, that's getting collected. So, all, all done. Nightwing Fear State, which is Obviously, uh, the Nightwing issues that tied into Fear State along with the Nightwing annual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Nightwing Batgirl story from Urban Legends. Yes. So this is kind of a weird collection in that it's like kind of throwing together a few other one-and-done things to go with the Fear State issues. Because obviously, the Fear State issues aren't enough for a, a trade on their own, but they also don't, but they don't fit neatly yeah. into the other trades. So this, I mean, so technically speaking, like this is not being billed as like the next volume of Taylor's Run, but I would still recommend reading it with Taylor's Run because there's still some character development with uh, Dick and Babs in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, it's just worth worth mentioning. Uh, 
we're getting a Superman Golden Age Omnibus Volume 7. It's nice that they're still going with those. To, you yeah, know. just just reading through that, it says, plus Superman becomes a super cowboy and meets a mighty caveman. <laughs> uh, the Golden Age is great. I think I think what's nice about this is honestly just that it's kind of like a consistent format where they've got a reason to like remaster the old issues and mm-hmm. digitize them eventually and all the rest of it. It just means the material's being touched up, which is nice. Uh, and it's more readily available, even if the Golden Age isn't necessarily everyone's most exciting period to go and read because it's you know right. very dated in its writing style. But uh, it's good for historical purposes, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, every issue of Superman, Action, Batman, Detective, and everything else should all be available, like all of it. Nothing should be in a, in a perfect world. Everything would be yeah. um, at the very least. Everything would be digitized to a higher quality. Yes. So, but I mean, I know that's a lot to ask for with smaller characters, but that's that's right. the ideal. We're getting there, right? One step at a time. Uh, obviously, they're going to do the big characters first. Just makes sense. Uh, Tales with DC Dark Multiverse uh, 2. Uh, so, is... I read all of these, and I don't remember part I two. I tapped out after I don't like, think, the, yeah. The I don't think we read all the second batch. At least, I certainly didn't. Yeah, I, didn't. I did. Maybe Matt did. And I don't remember these, so I'm going back and looking because <laughs> of some of the names. Yeah. Is that... Alan Scott as Asriel, kind of. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to remember. Where was that? Wasn't this ages? I feel like this was ages ago. Why is this only no, coming it out was. now? <laughs> um, I wonder if it got a hardcover release first, and this is a soft cover. So that was the Crisis on Infinite Earths one. That's with the Justice Society and All Star Squadron. But we're outmatched by Surtur. Alan Scott. Maybe I didn't read that one. Yeah, my assumption is maybe it got a hardcover release like a year ago, and this is the paperback. Very possibly. Did I read the Hush one? Because that's Philip Kennedy Johnson. I might have to go back and grab that, just uh, to have in the collection. Then we got the Flash Volume 16, Wally West Returns, as I mentioned. So, cool. Matt's just been reading all that, because Matt's caught up now. And that's actually mm-hmm. the end of the solicits. That's the last thing. There you go. The May solicits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the, the two or three new books that they've announced for me actually all sound good in different ways. You know, Tom Kane Black Label book, obviously great for most of us. <laughs> um, uh, Jurassic League sounds like a fun, mm-hmm. wacky extra thing. Um, and then the, the Ram V Aquaman horror book, like, yes. Oh, yes. Like, all those that's, things that's are. That's easily yes. for me the most exciting of the three. But. I don't think that really would have surprised anyone if 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 people had to guess which one I was going to pick. Uh, it's pretty close with the Ram V and Tom King, but I think Tom King's prestigious twelve issue books do take a bit of an edge for me right now. But obviously, I'm loving Ram V as well, so mm-hmm. it's like good stuff. Jurassic League's definitely the third choice for me, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. It seems like a fun time. Uh, and of course, Massive, that's number one. Justice League dinosaurs are always number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, all, all three are they get my but that one, yes. especially because I, I won't believe it's actually happening until I have it in my hands. Yeah, and then Batman Fortress is a bit more of a question mark, but hey, you know, we'll give it a shot, see how it is. Uh, but hey, uh, cool, there you go, as solicits. Uh, as much as it should be time to talk about the books, I feel like we have to talk a little bit about the the the, the comicsology's demise. I I tried talking about it for the last few weeks. Because I knew we were going to talk about it this week, and I was sick of hearing about it. <laughs> oh, I wanted to warn people. I wanted to be, be prepared. But, like, not everything that was expected 
happened. Like, nothing surprised. Like, for whatever you want to say about this transition this week, nothing about it was surprising. Nothing. I mean, it would have been surprising if, if, if you weren't in the loop. <laughs> yeah, but you also, I, I, I found out exactly why Amazon decided to do this. Because I, I speaking during the week, just because I was interested. Um, they hate us. I mean, it comes down to money. They make significantly more money when books are purchased through Amazon Kindle than they did through Comixology. And you can't just reroute it. No, because the the because when they bought Comixology, they inherited the, the the deals that were in there. Uh, books purchased through Comixology had a fifty percent split with fifty percent to Comixology and fifty percent to the publisher. Through all books through Amazon Kindle. Uh, 65-35 in favor of Amazon. And on top of that, because it's based off their, their books, um, there's an extra 15 cents on every royalty payment uh, per megabyte of the, of the file size that you have to pay Amazon, which in textbooks is not that much, but obviously in high-res image comics stacks yeah. up pretty quickly. Mm. So like, just to run just some really basic numbers, Batman... That sells what? Between 90 and 100k physically, we know, give or take every issue. Somewhere, like yeah. If we be generous and say it sells a third of that and so it sells 30k copies at $4 a copy, which it's mostly $5 now, I think, anyway, but even at $4 a copy of that at 30,000, their cut before would have been like 60,000. And now it's going to be closer to 80,000. For one issue of Batman. Hmm. It's um. I think the worrying part of that is more that there's a chance that this could even lead to more increased prices because the publishers have to make their money somehow, and less of it's actually going to them. That that is the the more concerning part to me, I think. But I will say. <sighs> There's so much fuss being made of this. There's comic creators who are speaking out against it on Twitter. Patton Oswalt has been uh, c- complaining about it on Twitter. Um, I don't necessarily believe that Amazon are going to do anything about it. Maybe they'll re-implement features that, are, that we're missing. Maybe they'll make it a better user experience. I wouldn't hold my breath on that based on their other services, but I, I do wonder like, if it leads to some sort of action because they're like the monopoly as it is can't exist and i think if the publishers aren't happy as well because they're making less money from books and especially if it hurts their sales because less people are mm-hmm. buying books because they're not finding things then it could lead to some competition of some kind now i don't know if that's just a case of marvel and dc being the big dogs can just have their own storefronts and just sort of try and convince people to come over to them Does maybe it- the, the problem is they, they've tried that before and it was just Powered by Comixology, right? Yeah, and it doesn't. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, they have the the muscle to potentially make a storefront and a reader that would work. Um, and they I, I both individually have the tech because they've got their own yes respective apps with Infinite and Unlimited. Um, Dark Horse never stopped doing their app, I don't think, but that was always awful. That was yeah, it was always terrible. I mean, I I actively didn't buy Dark Horse comics until they were on Comicsology because I I tried the app once and it was dreadful. Someone someone said that this new update makes them uh, whistle for the days of the Dark Horse app. <laughs> uh, 
Honestly, I wouldn't say that because I, I do think it's easier to read the comics still on this app than it was the Dark Horse as app. A, as a web-based reader on the desktop? No, give me the Dark Horse any day. Well, I'm the, not... They I'm, are. I'm going based on the app because I will say this. The, the new Comixology app is not good. It's worse than what was there before, but it's a much better experience app-wise than it is website to buy comics wise the website used to buy comics is pretty dreadful i mean my, my system this week was i had a list of the comics i needed and then i individually searched for each comic <laughs> that's how i found my comics this week yeah it's it's terrible and i said reading them is even worse um i don't know if you've looked at if you tried mm-hmm. to read a comic on the web not on the web no mm-hmm. so there is no way of having single pages so everything's just presented as here's two pages at a time, um, which doesn't sound terrible until you get to a double page, at which point it tries to cram that double page splash into the size of a single page and letterboxes it pretty heavily. Um, and you, there's no way of zooming. So it's, it's just literally unreadable. It's horrendous. I will say, I was actually surprised because I, when I was reading, I, I don't usually use it, but I was curious to see if, if they actually carried it over. But the panel to panel view does still work. Uh, I was shocked, honestly. It does, although I don't know how. I, I think you'll be, probably be fine for your big companies, but uh, as of this now, uh, companies have to, or publishers have to uh, create that panel by panel guide themselves before Comixology's team did it all, Like they had an employed team that every comic that was submitted, they went through and manually did it. Um, now, every publisher has to do that themselves, including independent, like if you want to self-publish a book, you've got to put in that work to do that all yourself. It's a lot more effort than, hey, Comixology, we'll handle it for you, because that was part of what their service was. Like, you know, with that 50-50 cut, it wasn't just a storefront, it was you knew you were paying for the you know that service as well was part of it mm. uh as now amazon are taking more money and doing less work i mean it's just been gobbled up in the machine the, the only good thing i can say is that there's so much fuss from every single corner of the internet mm-hmm. right now readers writers creators yeah. publishers everyone seems to be unhappy i mean the publishers haven't said anything because i feel like they legally don't want to put themselves in you know they wouldn't just come out and complain they've but, got contractual agreements and stuff yeah yeah but i do wonder if behind closed doors if dc marvel and i mean i know all the smaller ones are hurting but i do wonder if the bigger ones are talking about possible contingencies and ways to that i think the big issue if there is any kind of competition that happens if there's anything like any new storefront like you know, if something crazy happened where Marvel and DC said, look, we could both make our own storefronts, but let's be honest, that leaves all the, the rest of the industry out in the lurch, so do we, like, do some sort of shared storefront where everyone can sell comics or something like that? Like, if that was even possible. Do, is something like that possible or going to happen? I don't know. But I, I, I would certainly hope that behind closed doors they're talking about okay. options. The, the big concern that they would maybe have, though, is that so many people have bought so many comics on Comixology that are now like mm-hmm. tied to the Amazon account? I don't know if there's feasibly any way for them to like say, "Hey, you can like you'll have access to everything Export. you've already bought." Like short, short of them saying, "We'll give you everything you've bought on that account." Yeah, I don't see it 
I don't see I just, people migrating over otherwise. So I yeah. don't understand why they can't streamline it to be like the old comicsology. You know, because that's like, too much work, and they don't think it's worth the effort. Is 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 the honest answer? No, I know, but I just I don't get it. Like, so I, I didn't fall into this until Thursday, because up until when I downloaded my books Tuesday and was reading them Wednesday, everything was fine. And I saw people complaining, and then I got super busy at work. When, Wednesday night or Thursday morning, they pushed the update out. Yeah, and it wasn't until to... Thursday night that I went to go to bed and read. And I got there, and I was mid one of the other books. I can't remember what book I was reading. <laughs> and I went to go finish it before bed. I think it was Wonder Woman. And it it made me merge all my stuff. And then I started, and I couldn't, I couldn't get anything to load. At, like, yeah. at all because it was downloading all my entire library from the old one and it was I, not a good time i had a friend who uses comiXology you know a reasonable amount mm-hmm. they, they buy a couple of print comics but mostly they, they do stuff on yeah. comiXology they messaged me about one o'clock last night going hey uh comiXology just made me update and uh, so when i logged in because it made me log in mm-hmm. um i don't have any comics anymore uh and and this is a fairly you know computer literate guy who works in right. like that side of that like in a tech industry and stuff so he knows what he's doing is like what what just happened? Uh, it turns out he'd never linked his Amazon account, uh, and no. it does not make it clear that you're supposed to merge them. It just because when the old yeah. way of logging in was hey logging with a Comicsology or with an Amazon account. Yeah. This time it just it just pops up saying log in with your Amazon account. So you know didn't question it just logged in with his Amazon account because that was the only option. And uh, there's nothing there. And it, there is no option in the app to link to merge those accounts. You have to then, you have to go and search Amazon support for them to give you a link to go, okay, this is where you go to merge your accounts and go through the steps that that gives you. It's awkward as shit if you didn't do it beforehand. And Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, he was telling me, because he had a bunch of subscriptions, was how he bought his comics. And he goes, well, those are all gone now. I guess I'm not buying digital comics anymore because... He's really bad at remembering to buy comics, and obviously, if, if with subscriptions it comes out, you know, oh, here's right. three pound a month, whatever it was. It was, it's not a big deal. But if you forget, and oh, oh, now I need five issues. Now here's fifteen, twenty pound at a time, over two or three books. That's oh, that's a lot at once. That you, you know, ends up. Oh well, I guess I'm not going to pay that now because that's a lot. And yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's a customer lost, and that's yeah, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people like it. I just, I've never seen anything like this that was across the board as panned. And all for the same reason, too. It's not just like little nitpicky stuff that, oh, I don't like it because it's new. It's like, this does not work. It, it's objectively just doesn't function it, it, to right. purpose. Uh, you know, no. Like, did. Right. Um, uh, like I said, when yeah. you actually enter the comic, like when you actually open up a comic and start reading, yeah. it's fine on, on the app. It does tend yeah. to read a bit slower, though. Like the, the page turns are a bit more sluggish. Um, uh, although I did find looking at the settings, you can, you can adjust that, too, at least on the yeah. app. Although, even turned up, it just it just doesn't swipe as, as smoothly. Although right. I will say this, I haven't figured out yet how to come out of a comic unless I get to the end of the comic. Because before you just like tapped on the screen, it would come up with a little menu. So you want to go back? Or... I think you just use your back button on your your, your system. Well, back. well, that's that's what I eventually did. But I felt like there should be a <laughs> like no, an no, end comic menu that now. pops up. Um, but there was no way of doing it. Uh, so apparently there isn't. So uh, that that was a bit weird and. Uh, frustrating um yeah it, it's all just a bit whatever uh 
You know, I mean, the first thing I'd recommend is because it defaults to just showing you every comic individually. Put group by series. That's the first thing you should do. Group yeah, by group, series. Group by series. Which, which and we then... should say, just to be fair to you, that's not available in every country right now. Um, oh my God. I know it's available in the US and the UK, yeah. and I think they said a few others, but that is not available everywhere yet. Why would that so, be? Why would that even be any different? Why is the app different in different places? Oh, it just is. I don't know. Uh, even the the storefront, because it's because it's linked through Amazon dot whatever Amazon you use, and because it's all integrated uh, with the Kindle app now, um, it's it's tied <laughs> to that, which is why uh, the UK the UK Amazon web page to buy comics looks very bare bones and is unusable, whereas the US page actually looks somewhat like Comixology did. It's, uh, yeah, and every country has to have it sorted manually, apparently, because a multi-billion dollar international corporation, what objectively one of the biggest in the world, can't figure out sorting things out in multiple countries at the same time, apparently. Honestly, the best thing to hope for is competition. Yeah. Honestly, like it, it genuinely is the best option, and it's a shit. And I, I don't blame the original people who own Comicsology for selling to Amazon because I'm sure they were offered an amount of money that was. And they sold like just like 2013, 2014. It was a while ago. Yeah. It's been a long time now. Yeah. Amazon just left it untouched for so long that it kind of felt safe for a while. It was like ah, whatever. They just don't care. They've they've got it. They're earning some money. It's over on the side. They basically bought it because they wanted the guided view technology, I'm pretty sure, because their mm. version of that in Kindle that they had before was awful. I don't know if you've ever tried using reading a comic in the old Kindle reader. Not the um, old Kindle reader, no. No. Oh, God. I, no. Unusable. Like, unreadable. Unless you, would, you could read full pages, and it was sluggish and worse than what this is, but it was functional. But if you tried to do guided view... Oh, oh no, that was that was not. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just hope there's some competition. I I don't know if that is like DC and Marvel doing a shared thing where all the industry can sell comics on it to try and like get it something closer to what Comicsology was, and maybe even improve. Because I mean, Comicsology for I mean, obviously it's easy to praise it right now for what it was because it's so much better than what this is. They didn't really improve anything for a long time. Like there, there could have been improvements to Comicsology over time, and it just they never happened. They, they just once, stagnant. Once the Amazon buyout happened. Yeah. I think the 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 most recent update was like three four years ago now with yeah. the smart lists edition. But, but it was pretty stagnant, and I feel like you you could improve upon what Comicsology had. But right now we're just longing for what Comicsology was because now what we have is worse. <laughs> yeah. So. It, it, it's it's it's. I have been forced to read comics on my tablet, which I don't like. I'm I'm lucky enough that I have a decent tablet that I can read comics on, and I have to for Marvel Unlimited because Marvel Unlimited also doesn't work on a fucking website whatsoever. It just it will not work. It's even worse than this. It just you cannot read the books on there. Uh, but I prefer to read on on the desktop. That, that you know that's. The way I like to read my comics is how I read all of my comicsology comics. Is or was it was you know that way, and now I have to go and read on my tablet, which for me is a lesser experience. So I, it's annoying. It's really annoying. Yeah. Um. Honestly, like all I can say is, like they'll notice if less books are being bought 
uh, and the publishers will know right now why less books are being bought if they are. I have to expect that this coming Tuesday, Wednesday is going to look significantly lower in sales to them digitally than this past couple of weeks. Like, I imagine there's going to be a steep drop-off, and they're going to know exactly why that is. And it's I, about- I wonder how many they lost just by subscriptions and all the pre-orders being cancelled. Like, just that alone. It's probably a healthy chunk, right? Oh, probably. I mean, there's no way to tell like how much of it's that and how much of it's just people not wanting to use the store. Find out next week. Um, but you know, well, they won't be able to know though. They won't. They won't be able to tell what, what which ones are because of what reason. They won't know. I I think you'll probably see an overlap though. Like you'll you'll see some people just didn't come back after that, and you'll they'll be able to see which accounts had subscriptions and then didn't buy any, and then which ones did. But oh sure, yeah, but we'll never know. No, we won't. <laughs> uh, when I said well, they'll find out next week. I mean, the, the companies with that data, not us. Um. So I have to imagine that they want to find a solution to that. Whether that's just to for them to sort of say, hey, Amazon, like build a better storefront, do something to make this like, better, because we're actually losing money here. Do, do they have any leverage to do that? They may not, I don't know. Amazon's pretty big. Amazon's bi- much bigger than certainly the comic publishing part. I mean, if it was Warner Brothers and Disney that came in and said, hey, do something, maybe, <laughs> but I don't know if they care enough. <laughs> I'd be very shocked if they did. I don't think, like, <laughs> as much as it's definitely going to be a, a revenue loss, I, I don't think it's enough for the, the big guns that, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, at that highest levels to get involved, I'll be shocked if they did. <sighs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just still annoyed. Every, every time I go to read a comic, I'm like, oh, god damn it. Yes. Okay. It. But um, I think we're done talking about this, and I think I'm going to say we're done talking about this in general until there's actually some sort of news on a competitor or Amazon responding or something. Because uh, I feel like it'll be the same, just miserable complaining every time it comes yeah. up. If it does get I, up, come up again, I mean, if you are that upset about it and you have a shop close, instead of spending it digitally, I know they take up space, but um, that's the problem, isn't it? Because it's all well and good saying, "Hey, go back to physical," and obviously some people yeah. have, and but but for a lot of people, that's not a real no, but, reasons people swap the digital, right? No, 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 I know that, but like if if you do, like me, like. The reason I started going mostly digital was because of space. But like, if this reading experience keeps being as bad as it is, then I'm they're gonna make me just go back, which my shop, which I'm sure will love. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh yeah, the comic you know. shops right now are rubbing their hands together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, if you can, but the, also the thing they got pointed out too is like, this sucks if you don't have a comic shop close and this was your only option. It's like like Pete said, the only thing that's gonna change is this competition. But where's the competition? Um. It's like the go-to place to read digital comics. I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, ultimately, this is not about having rates to books. It's just about making a no. storefront. So it's not impossible right. there could be competition. It's just that right. right now, and like I say, the big problem I think any competition is going to have is the people who already have collections that they've bought on Comixology are mm-hmm. not going to want to rebuy things. And if, they don't, if they're not going to be able to link things up, and like if they've got the last 200 issues of Batman on their Comixology account linked to Amazon, the thought of buying the next one on a new store where it's not going to be in the same place is... The only little bit of hope for something along that lines of them implementing, you know, mm. having your your back catalogue available on a new service is, uh, D, you know, the, the individual storefronts that Marvel and DC have slash had, because mm. DC shut theirs when they launched Infinite. Marvel have still got theirs going. 
and it still runs on Comixology. Uh, it's completely independent of Amazon, uh, other than obviously Amazon owning Comixology, but it doesn't run through the, the Kindle stuff at all. So you can still buy your Marvel comics and read them through the Marvel app and have the Comixology experience as it was. And those, you, you can still link that account with your Amazon. And if you've ever redeemed a Marvel code, you know, they give out the free digital codes, uh, you have to redeem that through your Marvel account and then that linked to Amazon to give it to the rest of your Comixology account. So there is still like, there, there is a presence for them having those linked accounts while still running its own service. The only problem was it, it wouldn't be able to run on Comixology. Of course, it'd have to run on a new system entirely and, and still link through Amazon. Yeah, they'd have to offer something where, like, you could, like, you know, they're not link the account to your Amazon account, but they, they could, like, you could put in your Amazon account and they could check what you own and just give you everything, you know, the that's, license to everything on their that's service. That's probably a best-case scenario, um, but it's, that's a lot of work, right? Because that's, that's mm -hmm. manual work that has to be done for every single account. That's the only way you get people to shift over, I think, to a new storefront, uh, reliably. And failing that, uh, honestly, just making a premium version of like Infinite or whatever, where it's like, hey, it's like thirty a month, but everything's day and date. You'd have to buy a comic again. Just, just read it this way. Yeah, which is great for Marvel and DC, right? Yeah, but, but it's bad for all the indies and the small. Bad for literally yeah. everyone else. Yeah. So, I'll have to wait and see what happens. Maybe I, I maybe... don't expect any imminent news for at least probably the rest of this year if something like that happens maybe image idw dark horse like all the smaller all the bigger ones are the smaller ones if that makes sense maybe they can like team up for a storefront and like get all the indies I know, on there um, <laughs> 2000 ad uh have been very proudly acknowledging hey our app still works our app's still completely independent and <laughs> you can have your drm free downloads of everything we sell and by all accounts it's a perfectly functional app i, I not really used it myself, but you know, I, I know some people who have, and they say it's solid. Um, so maybe they could, you know, maybe they, maybe they can get involved and help out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So hopefully something comes of it, but we're in kind of a rough patch. Uh, the best thing, the only thing I can really do is like keep track of what comics you want on something like Liga like Comic Geeks or any sort of pull list website, and you just. Just go and search the titles one by one when you need to go buy them. That's that, that's that's what I had to do this and, week. And be vocal and complain to Amazon. Oh yeah, Ta tag Amazon, tag Comixology on Twitter so that they see it constantly. But please remember, don't yell at the people on the Comixology support Twitter. Yeah. This isn't their fault. No, yes. They're all losing their jobs too. But make it. But give them the numbers so they, so they can say, hey, look at the hundreds of thousands of tweets that we're getting constantly. Hard data from users that yeah. are like unhappy and as long as that correlates with with their sales as well uh, to some extent it might make a difference. Hmm. Of course like Matt pointed out it has comic shop owners probably going to have a new photo of Bezos on the wall that you can touch when people walk in like <laughs> praise Bezos praise him <laughs> crippling the uh, uh, crippling the yeah. digital infrastructure from within it's it's a it's amazing how they managed to overnight just decimate an entire digital industry in, in one swoop what's funny is i was toying with physical again right as, as the pandemic was about to start and then the pandemic just completely killed yeah. any notion of it because it just it became impossible for a while because unlike some people i have to have my books on time so i can read them for the show when we record 
Like, it just it has to happen. So, uh, the, the first hint that that wasn't going to be possible, like, it was like, no, it has to be digital. So, I, I'm, I'm just tied to digital, seemingly forever. But, uh, hey-ho. Hey-ho. So, the ongoing struggle. We'll see how it goes. One, one, just one last thing. A bit of advice for anyone who uh, is in the same situation as me who uses the, the web browser. The best workaround I can find, download an Android emulator like Bluestacks <laughs> and download the Kindle Comixology app on there. And it's it's not ideal. It's clunky and it, yeah. it's not great. Also, it's, I it's tried to use an Android emulator once and it gave me some message about how it wouldn't work properly unless it went to my BIOS and changed something. I'm like, okay, that's too much of a headache. I'm not doing it. Yeah, no, I don't trust that stuff. Yeah, okay, I never had to do that with Bluestacks, so... Uh, I um, did. It told me it was Bluestacks I tried to use. Um, basically, it ran like shit because I had to turn on some. some you didn't have hardware emulation turned on, did you? Like, so, uh, some of that, yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not faffing about. Uh, whatever I was trying to do at the time wasn't worth the effort. Uh, <laughs> so, hey ho. Uh, there you go. By all means, voice your woes and tag relative parties and by relative parties i mean the companies just so that they actually see the, the complaining um all right let's go into the books then uh yeah. yeah luckily with the solicits and the big topic uh it's not a super heavy week it's six books so let's get into it detective comics 1053 mariko tamaki writing with max rayner on the art uh, next part of this tower and the uncut gems comparison i feel just ramped up significantly as, yeah. as uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Ware here uh, is trying to borrow more money from Penguin so he can pay off more people uh, whilst being jumped in the street by the, the, the clown uh, the the party smashers, that's what they're called. Party crashers. Yeah. Party it, crashers, it, yes. It, their design's really bugging me because I know they're supposed to be clown-esque, right, and it's mm-hmm. joke colours, but with the clunky, the, the bulky suits, that I just reminds me more of Lex suits. Yep. And it, it's really jarring because my brain keeps seeing them and goes, oh, that's like Lick's knockoff suits, but it's, and then I'm like, no, I have to pause and reconfigure my brain every time. I go, no, they're nothing to do with Lex. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I I, uh, I was into kind of like more of like the wear stuff unraveling early on here. So it's, it's, uh, some of the party crashes. He's bailing them out. He's sending his own lawyer to get them out as he's borrowing money from Penguin. It really does just continue that feeling of everything spiraling out of control. Uh, as he's it, desperately it trying to hold me on. out just just like uncut gems did and i cared way more about samler's character right than i do where but this still i'm just like why why is he doing this that they can't be worth this amount of headache and in the yeah. middle of all this you know he gets a call saying that one of the nurses or whoever is, are going to like rat rat out that like all this is a bullshit and that no one's cured so he gets a party crasher to go to her house and like threaten her um and it, it works uh like mm-hmm. uh she gets saved by Cass, but yeah. a, she, uh, she's still too scared to then come forward to, to death yeah. after that yeah and you know great big panel of Cass whipping in to save her actually i thought uh proper yeah. really good old school looking cast cast back girl stuff um so Ooh. no yeah like the first half of the issue is really solid in that and we have the the team talking in the in their sort of temporary cave. We got Nightwing inside, sort of getting the scoop mm-hmm. and try to figure out what's going on. 
He's talking Flirt with all the ladies to get the info. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. They're calling him cutie and stuff. Do you know it's, what? it's very classic Nightwing, though, isn't it? I laugh yeah. hysterically that he puts on like a like a lab coat, walks into a room, and the nurse just calls him doctor. <laughs> it's yeah. really really yeah. laugh. Yeah, because it's not like that's his cover. Because you see him, like he's he's just doing like a, like a janitor, isn't yeah, he? he's doing janitor yeah. work before, and then he just puts on a lab coat, and all of a sudden, someone just assumes he's a doctor, and I'm like, lab, lab coat and a clipboard does it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so yeah, he goes to see Nero nineteen and tries to figure out who beat him up, and he actually like he's like, hmm, these injuries seem consistent with someone I know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the nurse goes. I think it looks like someone was using him as a bowling ball. And I love that that's where he goes, okay, I know this work. Yeah. And he so, goes find Helena. And obviously none of these characters remember the big fight, right, that happened. So mm-hmm. he goes to her and basically when, you know, asking, do you remember a fight? Do you remember anything happening? He notices the blood on the floor and it, you know, it leads to that thing we saw at the end of the last issue, which is his hold is breaking, uh, written in blood. Uh, the, the only slight nitpick I have with is he says it's in her, uh, in her handwriting, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like if I was smearing like a liquid to write something on the it floor, it wouldn't match. Yeah, it wouldn't be my handwriting, like I, when I'm writing something with a pen. Yeah, I, and I know that's from having to sign for stuff at work, and they hand you the digital. Yeah. To to sign, and that I mean, I've gotten a little bit better, but it still looks like I've had a seizure mid. Oh yeah, it's like nothing like my actual signature. I, yeah. I would say, yeah. having written things in like like what paint, paint, very specifically paint. I made that very clear. It was paint for legal purposes. It was definitely paint. <laughs> Not semen. Uh, uh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, had you lowered the tone just like that? I just wanted Matt's reaction. I knew you'd react but, to but, it. But um, it's it's a lot easier to write in your handwriting in paint on a physical thing than it is on those digital screens because it's the the calibration on those oh screens sure but so I, I mean matt brought it up as an example but I, I would say that having also written things in pain or something similar uh i i don't feel like when you're writing something that big using your whole hand it's, it's the same as your actual handwriting i don't think it is i mean both were unintell- unintelligible messes by my standards so Yes, but different unintelligible messes, not that identical unintelligible messes. They both just look like a scroll. I can't read my own writing anyway, so what do I know? Yeah. It's a, but I don't know, it's because like, I mean her nitpick, it was just something that stuck out to me. So I, I don't feel like it would match her regular handwriting. Uh, unless she does this a lot, where she just smears big giant letters. I wouldn't put it past her, it is <laughs> <laughs> She gets bored. And she's like, where's where some of that villain blood? She just... She just leaves messages to the police at the crime scene going, here you go, doing your favor. Yeah, but obviously this is, this is enough, like this hold is breaking, is enough for them to like jump to the conclusion that there's some main control or something going on. So, yeah. you know, Babs is looking up various possible candidates. You know, you see uh, the Sparrow and Gorilla Grodd, and I think that's um, Max, uh, Maxwell Lord, Max Lord yeah. uh, on, the, on the screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really dig uh, the other villains, like taking the piss out of uh, this fake Harley's, like, She's really laid it on thick with trying to fit the word pudding into her sentence. And the more they're doing this, I'm starting to think, is this actually Harley? I think so. Because at first I was willing to just go, yeah. oh, that was funny. But now now that they're doing this and bringing it back up, of a, oh, she doesn't even look like her. I'm like, okay, this is, the, the, the this jo- is actually her. Yeah, right? the joke's going to be is this real Harley pretending she's, to be fake Harley. Right. Yeah. So she's laying it on thick, thinking that no one's going to think it's her. And so far it's working. Right. Yeah, she, she's basically she's yelling for some pudding. Like, Is there going to be pudding? Mm-hmm. I want some pudding. Like that's that's what she's yelling. Uh, also, a weird maybe thing with the 
the, I don't know if it's the right the script or the lettering that I would critique here. But if I was to try and if I was to try and sell this as the Harley Quinn, you know, playing up being Harley Quinn, mm. I'd have done pudding with with an apostrophe yeah. rather well, than the G. I, I think that's the intentional sort of thing though, right? Is that she's right. saying it with the G. She's saying pudding, yeah. not pudding. Maybe. But yeah. I, I don't know, like if, if if she was playing it up. Well that's the point though, she's, she's getting it wrong. Just... Connor, you re- you read the Amanda Connor and uh, run right of Harley. I did most of it. Wasn't well, there a league of Wasn't there a league of Harleys? Yes. So is it possible that she's one of them? Uh, unlikely. They they, they were okay. more just people who Harley collected and who. Okay. It was kind of like the uh, the We Are Robin book where there was just like uh, there's a okay. lot of people who were inspired by and kind of took inspiration from. Uh, okay. It was kind of like that more than there so it were, wasn't. It wasn't people trying to be her. They were, they were trying to be Harley in the sense of we're going to be kind of, you know, carefree and right. do our own thing. Okay. And, you know, mm. you know t- t- the, the lifestyle ethos of Harley. Yeah. Gotcha. And but fashion yeah. choices, obviously. But no, I, I got a triple out of it. But this makes Nightwing go up to the roof. Cass is going to join him for backup, although she doesn't mm-hmm. ever get there because uh, the, the Batgirls, uh, Batwoman and all that are all attacked by some party crashers who have found their hideout. So they're actually under fire as Nightwing finally gets to the office of Dr. Ocean and finds Psycho Pirate. And I, I kind of love uh, just the Psycho Pirate of effing course. <laughs> like, yeah. just yeah, uh, the reaction's great. But of course, like, he's on his own, so Psycho Pirate just starts controlling him and making him feel weak and sleepy and whatever else. It's kind of his shtick. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the rest aren't there to help him. So the Cliffhanger, you know, it's quite an effective Cliffhanger at Psycho Pirate sort of got his foot on Dick's back and just kind of be like, you're mine, you're weak. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like, so so they're getting somewhere, they're figuring things out, but it's immediately put them in danger. Um, so, that's fun stuff. Um, yeah. I had a good time. So. Mm-hmm. I, I like this a lot more than the last few. I feel like I, I, this really advanced the plot a good chunk and I, I feel like, okay, we're actually, you know, better paced on this issue than the last few have been for me where like, okay we're we're moving now and you know we're, we're propelling into the back half of this story Aye. Uh, a less uh whiny uh opinion matt <laughs> you know i, I like it that was it's positive. moving screw you yeah it, it's moving at a clip i like right now everything's coming together and again super stressed out with the stuff with dr Ware, just because you he has so many plates in the air balls in the air Spinning plates, whatever. I mix my metaphors, but still the same thing. Is this is gonna, and we know it's gonna end horribly for him, you know? Oh so, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think it's impressive how much of a big cast we have in this story that have all been established now that we can kind of bounce around them, and it, it's it's very easy going at this point in the story to to shift between them. Um, so yeah, and uh, I, I like some of the things like uh. You know, the party crashers are mad at Weir because they, they actually think he tipped off the bats because they just don't believe mm-hmm. that the bats could have found them uh, on their right. own. They think someone's talked. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like those those little bits that make sense, even though we saw how they found them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't feel like forced conflict because it actually does make some sense, um, especially right. since these are characters who are not supposed to be, like, master criminals necessarily. They're, you know... Mm-hmm. They're capable enough, but they're not like geniuses. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm digging the uh, the story. Uh, mm-hmm. Arts, uh, arts, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, arts. 
it's it's nice that they've been kind of consistent in these batches of like four you know mm-hmm. so this has been very consistent the the reese stuff was very consistent yeah i think credit to the editorial team for getting it out with enough lead time for those artists to be able yeah. to do that yeah because that's, that's not an easy task to do with a weekly book not no. at all no uh so now really really they're getting the main story uh and then the backup continuing this kid the ginger kid who's now back at, Ar- mm-hmm. back at Arkham. And once again, we are tying into an event in uh, Batman mythology and Batman history where you don't actually get what it is at first. You know, it's like using Arkham mm-hmm. and it could be any random event because like some voice yeah. comes over the comms saying, hey, this is breakout day. We've taken control of the, 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 the security. You can all just leave now. The red mm-hmm. light comes on and the kid doesn't want to leave. Clayface is like, well, if you don't want to come, then you know, when you do eventually get out, come find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Bane. It's Bane breaking out, uh, you know, everyone at Arkham, which I believe is actually part of the Nightfall storyline. That was something yep. that happens early on in that. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, really neat. You know, we tied it into like, the switching of the Robins in the last issue. Here, some time has passed now. We're in Arkham, and now we're at Nightfall. So, which makes yeah, me so the think... the kid seems a little bit older, right? Like Yeah, especially yeah. Uh, Elliot, when we see him later on. He, he's yeah. definitely older. So... I, I, it wouldn't surprise me now if more of these backups are going to like tie into other known events in yeah. Batman history, just to sort of give us a timeline. Uh, yeah. Well, because in, in the last one, I missed that, right? Was that, hold on, make sure it's not this one. Last time was where we saw Jason instead of yeah. Dick, and that, and was he, already, and that was kind of the same thing of, okay, we're, we're progressing forwards in time. Yeah, and so he goes, no, they're, they're, it's a different kid, and they all think he's just rambling, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, that showed a time, but yeah, I was excited to see Bane show up. Um, just because of what this has been doing with uh, how the villains treat him, right? Yeah. How the, the different, and like, Bane always has this sense of honor as long as he's not venomed up. Um, so I was curious to see how this was going to play out and a lot more brutal than I expected. Yeah, um, I mean, he hands but, the kid a gun whilst giving him a yeah. speech about, you know, becoming stronger and, and whatnot. And the kid... You know, holds the gun up to a guard. It's a really well done sequence, actually. It's one of my favorite sequences in the mm-hmm. in the backup because it's just like him walking down the hall and there's these guards down halfway it's the down. The shadows as well. Yeah, and he holds the gun up and the, the the guard notices him, disarms him, and basically says that you know what, no one's here and it was you against me and I had to you know protect myself, kind of thing. Yeah. Worth noting as well, I think it's important to say the kid does lower the gun before the guard notices. Yeah, him. he's he's, he's yeah. already not going through with. It. Yeah, he's he's making the choice to not kill someone. And the guard's going to kill him just sort of in spite because he's going to enjoy it. And in a roundabout way, I guess Zaz also ends up being someone who helps the kid. Although notably Zaz, unlike every other villain the kid's encountered, is actually going to you know use him as a victim afterwards. He is going to kill him. Yeah, and, and I think that's a distinction on Rosenberg's part too, on like how much worse Zaz is. Like he's a lot closer I, than I, the Joker. I like seeing Zaz just add the extra mark there and there. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no, oh, he'll get to it later at the end of the day. There's no, just, nope, right there. Checkers, so just right, right, okay, I killed him. Time to add another mark. Yeah, yeah. the guard, after he's killed the guard, yeah, he yeah. slashes his neck a little bit. Yeah. Well, and, and I like here, he goes, lucky I was here, huh? He goes, thank you. Oh, no, I didn't mean lucky for you, because he's just seeing everybody as the next hash mark. Yeah. You know? Uh, uh, and of course, you know, Bane's still there, though. He shows up and doesn't, like... doesn't protect him. He just says, this isn't a fair fight. Uh, drop the knife, um, and then you can fight the kid. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kid, you're going to fight a fully grown serial killer adult. All right, go. 
Yeah. Man, that's that twisted sense of honor but, I was talking about. But at the end of it, he's like, he doesn't let Zaz kill him. Yeah, no, no, he still steps in because I mean, it would have, it would have been really goofy if the kid was able to beat Zaz, but he does get some nice oh. shots in, and then Bane pulls Zaz off when he's going to go for the kill, mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, well, you, you know, your enemies haven't won if you walk away. Walk away and be stronger." You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can only ever lose one fight. Yeah, so so he goes off into the night, he goes out of the city, and he's asking around to to find Elliot. It turns out, and he finds him and hugs him at the end, uh, and. What's funny though is that he's kind of going against Bane's advice in a way because he's he, he doesn't want to stay in Gotham. He doesn't want to become stronger here. He wants to leave and start fresh mm-hmm. somewhere else. He just wants to get away from the cancel that is Gotham City. Uh, so it is interesting how he is kind of like gaining his own kind of like desire and his own kind of like self mm-hmm. uh, respect in a sense as as time goes on because he's. Like, obviously, we, we understand what Bane's saying to him. We understand the, the, the lessons that he's teaching about becoming a villain. But it, it's almost like this kid, no matter what, actually doesn't want to be a villain. Like, he hates Batman, sure, right? And he right. has that in common with a lot of the villains. And the villains keep trying to take him in between Clayface, Bane, Penguin. But he keeps kind of rejecting it. He keeps trying to move mm-hmm. away from it, no matter what. Um, So there may actually be kind of a touching story of someone who's just refusing to be part of that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really... On either end, like he doesn't like Batman because Batman terrified him. Um, but he also doesn't want to be like the hardcore villains. He's more, he's much more at home in the kind of passiveness of like Clayface and um, even even Scarecrow. Weirdly, but even um, even them though, he doesn't want to actually ultimately. I mean, he did as a kid. You know, he went to yeah. to, to help Scarecrow. But I think I think mm-hmm. as he's growing up here, he's. He's continually showing this pattern of trying to break away from because he doesn't want to just be another mm-hmm. Gotham villain. And I think you can either end this with him finally being the one who breaks away and it can be kind of heartfelt, or the tragedy is, is that he eventually is broken down and just becomes another villain in Gotham. I suspect the latter. As much as I would, you know, you, you tend to root for the happy ending, I think that's kind of sure the point of this story is just Gotham shit and it just beats people down like this. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. what it does. It, that could be the story. That could be where we're ending up. But, uh, yeah, so no, no, good chapter in the backup as well. So, uh, detective, uh, mm-hmm. it's just a nice, consistent, solid read every week right now. Yeah, uh, it's been a good staple. Uh, it's gonna be weird when this goes back to once a month. I know, yep. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but it's been this anchor of like every week <laughs> for the last month and a half. It's been really nice. Uh, all right, Matt, what are you gonna give the main story? Uh, I'll give the main story an eight. And the backup. 8.5. Connor, main story? Uh, main story, 7.5. And the backup? 8.5. Yeah, uh, main story for me, uh, I'm happy to go uh, with an 8 myself, and backup, I will also give an 8 too. So, um, I'm really good time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, So, that's cool. All right. So Nightwing, issue 89, Tom Taylor writing, Bruno Redondo on the art. This is the first part of the, the two-part crossover with Superman, Son of Kal-El. Obviously, Taylor's writing both books anyway, uh, which made this a very natural read, at least if you've also been reading Superman. I imagine if you yeah. haven't been reading Superman, this maybe felt a bit more of a shift. I think it probably feels really jarring. And I'm yeah. going to just, just throw my biggest critique of the issue straight away. It, it It's not as satisfying an issue as most of the Taylor issues are. While I, I like everything in this issue. Just want to make that very clear. It, I enjoy it. I'm like, I got the end. I went, oh, oh, that's it. It's over. 
This this almost feels like a, a Nightwing showing up in an issue of Superman and not Superman it's, showing up in Nightwing. It feels more it, like it, a Superman uh, book yeah. than it does a Nightwing. It does, issue. and it feels like yep. I only got half an issue. And maybe that's because Nightwing was only early in a handful of pages, really. Yeah. But if, I feel like I didn't get an issue of Nightwing that I actually wanted, even though I enjoyed mm-hmm. the issue. Uh, you yeah. know, I, it's, I mean, I, I would agree it feels more like a Superman issue, but there's still a lot in here that I love. And at the very mm-hmm. least, even if you do feel a little bit differently to it, it is only one issue. You know, it's one issue, that's one issue of Superman, and we're back to normal. Yeah. So. I think it, it very much feels like, I suspect I would have enjoyed this more as just an oversized one-shot, because it feels mm. like this feel, it, it feel like there's no resolution at the end of this. Like, no, you need part two for everything. There's nothing that makes this a single issue, whereas right. I think this just would have functioned better as an oversized one-shot. Uh, that may very well be true, but... Uh, we start off with a flashback uh, towards the end of New 52, because Nightwing's in his red mm-hmm. uh, outfit. And, and John's, you know... A kid. 10. Yeah. 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 Um, and they're looking for someone. It turns out to be John, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're partly just like looking as well, but they do this whole thing where the heat vision comes out of the cave, and Nightwing mm-hmm. turns and says, what do you mean, what happened? He, do you, like, he's scared, and a giant bat just showed up. Mm-hmm. So he, he pulls off his mask, and he, <laughs> he pulls I off Bruce's mask as well. And then goes in and speaks calmly to him and says, it's good to meet him, and, and so on and so on. Um, they call in Clark, and he comes in and hugs him. And there's, just a, there's a couple of really funny jokes here. Nightwing's you know, poking fun at Batman and says, hey, he's got lollipops in his belt for kids, but yeah. they're right next to the smoke bombs, and they look very similar because they're both red. Yeah. Uh, so, And that was an okay joke, but it was the ending of the scene where Superman says, I don't know what I'm more worried about, you giving a smoke bomb to a child or, or throwing a lollipop at the Joker and then trying to disappear. <laughs> you know, that might be the end of the Joker that if Batman ever throws a lollipop at him trying to disappear, Joker's like, well, my job is done here. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to top this. I love that. Uh, I was like, fine, I'll move them to another pocket. Yeah. It was a really uh, That might scene. be the strongest section of this issue. Is that flashback just because it nails I pr- Taylor really nails all the characters? I probably here. wouldn't agree with that, but I do like it a lot. And I, I think I agree, and not that it's necessarily better than most of the other mm-hmm. stuff, but that it's the only part of the issue where I felt like I got a chunk it's, of a story rather it's, than it's like, yeah, you know, I got clear whole, and concise. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's essential because it's showing what Nightwing is like with young John, and we're going to see how different that relationship is. Mm-hmm. It sets up the themes of him looking out for John. Uh, which is something obviously Superman asked him to... Because, I mean, this yep. follows straight on from the events of the last Superman issue. He talks about the monster. Yep. He's talking to the hologram of Clark in the fortress. And what I actually really liked here is that John, unlike... I mean, I'm sure Clark's played... I mean, there's been a lot of Superman comics for a lot of years. But the idea that John immediately, the first time he's really using this Clark hologram that we've mm-hmm. seen, he basically turns it off halfway through the conversation, says, you know what? I don't want this fake version. Like, this is not, this is not my real father. Right. I don't like this. I'm not using it. Yeah, he well, and see that's the thing with Clark too is like he could go talk to the fake Jor-El because he never really knew Jor-El. He never knew anything different. Whereas right, John can so, feel that this is not the same. Right, and he needs that actual human, you know, comfort from from a figure. Yeah. I just I like that because we, we've talked a lot about how we're showing differences between them as Superman, and mm-hmm. I think yeah. this is this is not an important oh. one, but I do think it's a really interesting yeah. little detail. I like- so Clark tended not to use Jor-El for that purpose. It no. was more. Not just to plot points, but you know, it was to do with information and what you know and mm-hmm. his heritage. Whereas he had his own family for comfort, right? Whereas right. John's problem is Clark is his family and he's gone, right? That, yeah. That's right. that's why it, it hurts more. Uh, yeah. Some of the stuff I loved in this issue, though, was 
the attire that both Dick and Babs are sleeping in. Uh, mm-hmm. So I so, got a good chuckle. So at me. she wakes up in a Teen Titans Go shirt, and that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And it's because Calix is there, and he's like there to mm-hmm. seek out Nightwing because Superman had asked him, "Hey, if if John needs help, seek out Dick Grayson, right?" But you the thing, this fast in my direction. Yeah, but well, the thing, also... that, the thing that popped me though, right, is the last panel of this scene, which is when Dick stands up and we see what his pajama bottoms are. For some reason, this made me cackle with absolute laughter. I, I was not expecting this. No, I, I it's it's the timing of it because it made me laugh out loud as well. Yeah, it's an old scene. It's like you know, you're not questioning what his pajama bottoms are. That's not like what's in your head. Yeah, because doesn't matter. Just, He's just in bed. Whatever doesn't matter. Right, but it, it's it's just it's the way it holds it off so long in the scene, and then it just stands up and shows it just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's like and because he has just it's a plain black t-shirt so it's not like yeah. it's already a branded thing and you've seen babs's branded thing so you're not expecting it yeah so he stands up and it's just the, it's the classic yellow oval bat logo like over and over again as his pajama on bombs on, on the gray bombs as well. yeah. yeah uh so it's just this really goofy like i love this idea that both of them just have <laughs> like a, a just a drawer full of branded like stuff that's kind of silly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to sleep in um it's really funny sure. Uh, I don't know. I just, like, it got me good. <laughs> I like that also. Uh, Kelix is like, um, well, I don't work for Superman. It's kind of, it's, it's a, a partnership. Relation, yes. Yeah. It, I like that. I like that he shows up to pet the dog. You know, uh, yeah. that was pretty funny. Yeah. I also like Dick feeling bad that he's not checked in John yet because Superman asked yep. him to keep an eye on him. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, shit, I should really go to Metropolis. So let's go do that. Uh, so no, I really like this scene quite a bit. Uh, we see in Metropolis that a superhero was his name Dusk. What's uh, Risk. Risk. There you go. I knew it was something that said like that. Mm-hmm. Risk uh, has been tracked down by three members of the Rising who hunt him down and kill him. And despite his superpowers, can't fight back. Uh, and then we see, and there's a lot of really great touches because I'm just I, I've forgotten about this, but now I'm seeing the scene. I'm looking at the scene again, mm-hmm. uh, where Jay pokes fun at John by saying. I've got, we're meeting our, our rich benefactor today and the big yeah. dramatic turn Lex Luthor and he just stares at him and he just starts pissing himself laughing and it's just yeah. it's one of those things where uh, like this is just poking fun at like something that would normally be in a comic book is the reveal that Lex Luthor is like secretly behind something I, I think it's it feels maybe a little more awkward right now and, and not in a in a positive way in that that is literally the current plot in Batman yeah, and it feels like maybe don't be taking shots at the main Batman book while that story's going on right now. I don't think it felt like a shot to me. No, it didn't feel like a shot to me. It just felt like Jay going like, watch, watch me get the better of him because he's, because he's a naive boy still. Because this is more know? about Lex Luthor's tie to Superman than it is about right. Lex Luthor being a villain who's behind things in general. Who, but he is kind of behind the rising, which is kind of funny. That's true. In a, <laughs> in a, you know, in an ironic sense, is like he's he worked with. Bendix to do the rising program. Uh so yeah, but uh things are also with how they kill Risk by drowning him is that's how I know Tom Taylor wrote Wolverine. So that's like the one way to kill Wolverine. Mm. Right? He still has to breathe. So uh, I thought that was great. But Risk is a character I wasn't very familiar with, and he seems very nineties, right? Like um yeah, I wrote I a lot of Teen Titans. So um yeah, I, I have no doubt he existed and he was in a Teen Titans book at some mm-hmm. point, but I mean, yeah, I didn't really know him either. Uh, yeah. So, 
Dicks actually help funding the, the truth a little bit. Makes some, enough sense, I suppose, with these new current money. Gotta throw that Alfred cash somewhere. Yeah, uh, but yeah. they find out about the, the, the superhero murder, and then later on we find out there was two others around the world at the same time, more or less. And uh, Dick, of course, is not disguised, or not fooled by the, the little disguise that John's wearing, so he just sort of whispers, Superman, oh, you can hear me, meet me in mm-hmm. top of the building, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's like, how do you know it was me? Dude, I'm familiar with these little diamond masks. Also, like, you need to change your voice if you're going to like really hate yeah. who you are. Come on now. <laughs> like, I'm an expert at this. Uh, so they go and investigate the crime scene and trace, like, a trail of energy. And would you believe it, the cliffhanger of the issue is that it leads back to LexCorp. Uh, and the, the storyline is called World's Finest Sons, which was a nice little yep. title, I thought, when I got to that, that title page at the end. Yep, I like that. Yeah. So it's a neat thing. Uh... Yeah, I mean, this obviously this is not going to be a long story, and it's uh, mostly going to be wrapped up in the second part. And I think it is more of a Superman story in the sense that it's feel really like it's tying into more what Superman's going through. And I feel like whatever comes from this Lex stuff is going to tie more into Superman going forward as well. And what this is really about is that well, Nightwing was asked to keep an eye on him, so this is him coming in to like give him some guidance because because John does feel bad about the monster attack. He feels bad that people died. He's not doing well with that, and like you know, probably the best thing about the next issue, and by that I mean Superman, the second part of this crossover, is probably going to be the potential heart to heart, or like the advice that Dick gives them, or when they actually get to talk about stuff. Um, and I'm sure the plot will be fun. I'm sure it'll be fine, full of nice little moments, and it'll be entertaining because it usually is with Taylor. But uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Dick and John actually talking about what's what he's going through. Uh, for the page or two that we're going to get of that, I think it's probably going to be the highlight. I expect. Probably, yeah. Mm. So, uh, obviously, Redondo's art was very good. Yes. As always. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, nothing to complain about. Uh, so, you know. Um, I think he's on a break after this, for the next couple of issues in Iowa. That makes sense. I will say, though, it just proves to me just how much I don't like the Red Nightwing costume, because even in his art, I still don't like it. I was like, I, obviously, it's, I don't know why it's there. It's a flashback. We're establishing the time yeah. period, but I still don't like it. It was one of those. It was one of those uh, changes to New Fifty Two that just felt like just because. Yeah. You know they were just changing it, and it just it makes them feel un Nightwing. You know. Yeah. Like, it's also much fatter as well. The logo, which I just don't think yeah. it, like, it looks nice. Yeah. I don't love it. I don't. I don't quite hate it as much. I don't think. I think just the idea of an older Dick changing to red. Kind of. There's a. There's a. There's a logic to it in that, you know, he, he chose Nightwing and he chose the blue because he wanted to reject Batman, right, at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to be his own man. I think the idea of, okay, no, he's got a bit older. He's, he's grown up a bit. He's, he's not, like, got that same same mentality anymore. He's, he's much more accepting that, no, he's part of the Bat family. And him embracing Red again uh, to show his history. There's a there's an, a logic to there that works for me. I, again, I don't, I'm not saying I want the red suit. I'm just saying... I don't hate it because I can see the kind of the pieces that make it work. Do you know I think just... uh, like part of it is? I think just the the name Nightwing makes, you know, if you think of nighttime and you think of uh, mm-hmm. the nightlights of a city, or you, th- I feel like blue just like makes me think of nighttime more than red does. So it just goes with the name Nightwing more. Uh, maybe that's a silly correlation. Yeah. But... Well, I also don't like how it makes the design all the way around either. Like I said, it's not perfect. I think, I think, I think I would... I could I could have a a red logo instead of blue, but I think it could still definitely be a better design than this. Yeah, blue for life. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, 
I'm glad they left out the red lenses, though. I remember those being on the cover. Oh, he had, yeah. He had the red mm-hmm. lenses on his domino mask, and it's just not a good look. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a good time with this show, though. I, I, I still think it was really good. I really liked their, their interactions. Uh, I think the flashback was a fun scene. I loved the, the, the Dick and Babs waking up scene. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and... Yeah, I like, I like where it's going. And I, I love John needing some guidance and Clark's not here. So I love that Dick is actually going to be the one that steps in and gives him that guidance. Uh, I think that's a really cool tying together of two parts of the, the DC universe. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, Matt, what are you giving Nightwing? I'm going to give us an eight. All right, Connor. I think I'm just going to give it a seven, which might be the lowest I've rated an issue in Nightwing, unless maybe I did that with the, some of the first eight issues. But yeah, just uh, I like everything in it, but just I, I think I don't like it as much as a Nightwing issue. Uh, yeah, I didn't get uh, I didn't get quite enough from it as a, as this is my issue for the month. Uh, I'm going eight point five. Um, I would agree it's more of an issue of Superman Son of Kal El than it is an issue of Nightwing, but I would also say it's one of the best issues of Superman Son of Kal El. Uh, I dug it. So uh, good stuff. All right, Wonder Woman is up next. Wonder Woman issue the seven eight four. Becky Clooney mm-hmm. and Michael Conrad writing with Marcio Takara on the art. And like I sort of said earlier during the solicits, this is kind of the final issue before we go into crossover land. So this is wrapping up this current arc and dealing with the the matter of the mirror world, the matter, the master of the mirror world is what I meant to say. That. Mm-hmm. Um, but not mirror master. The image maker is what he calls himself. Yes, but they, they, but yeah. they, they say master of mirror world like five times in this issue. So that's what's stuck in my head. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, which I maybe an editor sort of uh, suggested something different since it is so close to mirror master. Mm. You know? yes, that's why I kind of uh, made a point of saying they, they do use the word image maker because, yeah. and, and they do bold it which because he says I am the image maker master and commander of Mirror World but he bolds image maker which makes me assume that is supposed to be a, right, which, a name and we can assume that technology is very similar to the Mirror Master stuff right mm. like well, you know, that's yeah, why. we find out in this issue that basically when Wonder Woman was coming back to, to Earth, she went through this mirror world and mm-hmm. that's why it's like fractured and that's why he's out there and he claims that she's from there and that she should go back. And he tries to trick her with like a, uh, you know, it's like here's here's your life there where Wonder Woman retired and you're just in a romantic relationship with Steve and everything's all happy. She very quickly rejects it. And part of that, of course, is because she has the lasso, you know. The, the truth, there was a moment yeah. where I was really worried on those pages because mm. I, I, I don't think I'd clocked that this was going to be the final issue uh, mm-hmm. before the crossover, before I started reading it. And I got to this stuff in give or take the middle of the book I was like, uh-oh, are we doing extended, yeah. you know, alternate, like, you know, here's, here's the, the, the fantasy world, and, and then it only lasts, like, two pages, and I was like, oh, that yeah. was a nice surprise. Yeah, because the, the lasso kind of, like, lets her know that this isn't real, like, she can tell. But I also, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of, I was kind of in my head just sort of joking that he's, he's basically trying to make her think she's in the movie Us, and that <laughs> she, she's, not, she's not actually of this world. I thought that was kind of a, an interesting little, little thing. Um... And also, the, the episode of Twilight Zone that Oz is kind of like a homage to, uh, which actually deals with mirrors, which is why it made me think of that as well. Um, it's an episode of Twilight Zone where uh, a woman in a like a bus station is replaced with the version of her in the mirror. She swaps places. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that one. I'm going to have to track that down. It's a good episode. Very, uh, yeah. some, some, some Twin Peaks vibes going on. 
So Twin, yeah, but Twin Peaks. Uh, but when when we when we entire reviewed it, like I don't know, it was, it was season one, so it's like two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we reviewed it. I remember just going, "Oh, Jordan Peele liked this episode because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of us." And, there's uh, been a lot of us discussion since the Nope trailer came out, and I just it tires me all over again. Nope looks good. Uh, I like the look of Nope. Yeah, Nope looks good. I'm just talking about us and yeah. people defending it. People, people that I know, and I'm just like, I, it, mm, one person yeah. in particular, I suspect. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, Oz is flawed, but, but I still liked a lot of it. It's okay. I I don't like uh, uh like it's fine to have a a point of a story to put on what you want. I just want the creator to maybe point it a little bit. Tell us what they were going for. Just a little bit. Um, that's just me. So, um, so I was being like, well, what do you think it was? No, I don't No, You tell me what you think it was. When Matt was complaining that people, people were talking about us, I thought he was going to complain about people being shitty about it, but he's actually complaining about people defending it, which is the opposite of what I was expecting. Because I know exactly who he's on about. And I have seen the tirade of defense over that movie and Mm -hmm. it's exhausting. Yes. Okay. So. I think it's flawed, anyway. but there's some really effective sequences in it. I'll leave it at that. Yes, yes, yes. It's it. Yeah. So, um, just with this, I wish having read all of the Wonder Woman right from this creative team, not once in her return do I ever remember any of this Mirror World stuff, and I just wish they had spent maybe a page on on it. So, because this whole Mirror World stuff comes out of like left field, just to justify these duplicates and whatnot i mean it ties like, i mean these duplicates have always been like mirrors because they've always shattered like glass so no no, no i understand that you know. but like we saw her return through the the realm of the gods right like at least me and connor yeah i, I didn't but i'll take a word for her. <laughs> right and there, there was never once where we got this whole vibe of she came through a mirror world no my right? only assumption is it happened when we didn't see as in like before she went to Valhalla, like it was between the sphere of the gods and Valhalla was right. Was but that's like, that stuff happened. But. I just wish there was a mention before starting the story of like, Oh, you know, she, she journeyed through the, the mirror world and you know, cause this yeah. just, again, just comes out of left field, you know, I get it. I will say I'm not too annoyed because I don't mind the inclusion of it purely because it leads to just some gorgeous layouts. The way it plays with just the, the panels shattering constantly. And... Yeah, no, Takara's art here is fantastic. And that that alone is enough reason to go, screw it, let's do some Mirror World stuff, for me. Oh, yeah. Anyway. yeah, I mean, I had enough fun with uh, the villain monologuing, Wonder Woman fighting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea that she owes a fight to the knight outside when she goes back mm-hmm. out. Um now the reveal of who the knight is, like you get to see it coming, obviously, and it it makes sense that that's what they're building up to. Uh, I think as soon as it, as soon as she pulls out the sword, yeah. right? Uh, the mm-hmm. part of it I like though is that you hear like the other voice, uh, like when it starts like sort of maybe going against his programming a little bit, and you just see like a voice, like a, a bubble on its own saying, "You're going to let that broad flap her gums like that," and immediately I went, "Oh, it's psycho." That's a psycho. <laughs> like that's immediately my mind just went, and it it reveals at the next page. You see him in the, the very oh, next page. We knew page. psycho yeah. sent him. Uh, Last issue, right? That we had forgotten if we did, but it, well, we we knew that the shiny knight was probably working for Psycho, but nothing yeah. like this, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I clearly forgot that because when I got to this page and I saw the the, the broadly and I started laughing because I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it's Psycho, you bastard!" Uh, but regardless, uh, funny moment, um, and 
obviously he's pissed, but uh, it's Siegfried, of course, from her time in Valhalla and wherever else. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, yeah, so he's here in the world. He ends up going to the hospital yep. to uh, mend these wounds. We've got a, a nice man out of time situation going on where yep. Boston's got to teach him some stuff. Oh, yeah, he doesn't understand the heart rate monitor or anything else. And right. I presume a lot of other things are going to come up that he doesn't understand. Well, I imagine he comes from the. What, eight or nine hundreds, probably. Yeah, so pre-electricity, right? <laughs> well, pre-electricity, yes. Yeah, well, uh, I think that covers though everything that he's going to have to have explained to him. It, it does, yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I realise it's quite a bit of time before electricity. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of other things that came between that as well. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think he's going to like. I feel like everything that came between his time and electricity, though, most of that stuff isn't. Like, I feel like it was mostly superseded, and most of it's either went away or whatever. I'm sure there's some things. Like, I, I don't know when, like, I don't know. Was the co- Did the compass exist before then? Or was that, like, an invention in between that time? Maybe that was, you know, afterwards. Mm. I don't know. When was the compass? Because I do yeah. know they, they, they used, uh, before the compass, you had to chart the stars, right? With yeah. the sextant. Because the uh, early compasses were just, like, like metal in the water. Like, yeah. a dish of water, right? But yeah. And then, and then I know the Vikings I, use sunstones. Yeah, I'm going to say because he comes from Viking stuff, compasses are after his time. Yeah. At, least, yeah, yeah. at least in the West. I don't know. Aye. Right. But I, I guess, the, but I, I jumped into electricity because electricity like, is so dominant in everything we use now mm-hmm. versus like most of the things that came before, like some of it might pop up, but I don't think it's going to be as hard to understand yeah. necessarily. Clocks. Clocks and watches. Analog mm-hmm. ones, obviously. Yeah. So, so they'll have to so teach them to tell the time. Yeah. 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 So, so as uh, when right as he's revealed, he talks about his workings. It was dark, the serpent, the chasm, the Aperion. So I looked up what that means, and it's a Greek word, which means the unlimited, boundless, indefinite, right? So, um, which is a Greek word, which I, I find is interesting. I think it's interesting because it's it's bolded, which mm-hmm. implies there's some level of importance in uh, thanks yeah. to the lettering, but also him choosing to use the Greek in general is an interesting right. choice. Right. So I thought that was good because that stood out to me when when he brought that up yeah. before he. And obviously, I don't think his coming back is going to factor much, if anything, into the crossover. So this is definitely something that they're setting up for, for later. Yeah, 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 for after. Uh, you know, you get a couple of pages where it's like Nubia's like, "Hey, Diana, can I need you back mm-hmm. in Themyscira?" And, crossover time, bitches. Yeah, you know, and it says goodbye, go have fun on the island, kind of thing. And there was this, it was a scene at the end though with Doctor Cycle where he sets up. Uh, the new villainy ink uh, that he's mm-hmm. put together. And we don't see who the other members are yet, but he's talking to them. He's got one of the, he's sort of glued one of the, the mirror image Wonder Woman back together. Mm-hmm. As it's his... kind of creepy and I love it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of fun. Uh, she's got this, this crack down her face. It's very, and... um, like a broken doll sort of effect to it. Yeah, yeah it's I, a very Dollatron. Yeah, uh... I was going to say Stepford Wife kind of thing too. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, obviously it sets up, okay, we've got this new villain plot, but he even says in his dialogue, like, oh, let her go and have uh, playtime on our island. This gives us plan to time to plan our next thing. And I'm like, yeah, so, yeah, when we come back after after the yeah. crossover. <laughs> so. so so traditionally, Villainy Inc. is, uh, let's see, post-crisis. You have Dr. Poison, Giganta, Jinx, Queen Clea, and Cyborg Girl. I don't really associate this with a specific roster, uh, other no. than Psycho, but I've always just taken it as a team of Wonder Woman villains. No, yeah, but the original one was someone named Blue Snowman, Cheetah, Doctor Poison, Evil S, Giganta, 
Hypnota, Queen Clea, and Zara. So, so Giganta and Queen Clea were the two that stood out. Doctor Poison. I think uh, what this does though is by not revealing yeah. them now, it's in that table. Yeah. Is that we means we get to have some reveals of who the the team members are uh, yeah. when we come back. So which is, we, which is real cool. Yeah. Um, we can kind of do more yeah. time if you wanted to. I like I like the fact too that he's talking about how this is like a magic trick about him shuffling the cards mm. and you know but you know but there are people who they don't even want to play the game you know it's that nothing matters because it really plays up his ego it's like I, I don't need to yeah. win or lose I just, I just want to be right. seen right yeah, that definitely Which plays up his, his I can't complex. not I can't not hear him in uh, Tony Hale's voice oh my god that is the definitive version of Psycho now yeah that mm-hmm. just is so, so good. yeah, I haven't um, heard it, so I, I, I can't call yeah. it. You're missing out, Pete. Yeah, genuinely missing out. Yeah. Just imagine a, a completely psychotic Buster Bluth, and, <laughs> and you got it. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, uh, I'll keep that in mind. That, that version of is, is maybe one of my favorite things on that show, though. He's mm. so good. Yes, that Kite Man and Bane uh, uh, of the male characters. Poor, poor Kite Man. Yes. Hell no. Yes, yes, very good. Uh, no, good stuff. Um, yeah, it was a fun issue. Uh, yeah, man, you know, Takara's art, though. I can't get over how good it is. Yeah, the, the art that's, does that's elevate it. That's what makes it. this issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're more than just an average issue, because, you know, the, the plot's yeah. good, it's solid, but it's the art that can elevate it to being, no, this is fun. You know, I, yeah. I think it's got a supporting cast there. You know, I think Dead Man's been a fun addition to Wonder Woman's roster. You still got Steve and Etta doing their thing, and I really like Doctor Psycho just as a a villain to focus on. As much as I love Cheetah and I love uh, when they use uh, Ares, but I, I you know like they, they overuse them a bit maybe. So it's just nice to like oh let some of the other villains kind of take center stage. So him putting a team of villains together, it'll probably be other people. Cheetah may be on it, but it'll probably be others. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just a fun idea. So I, I love playing with that stuff. So. All right, cool. Matt, what are you giving the uh, book? Um, I'm going to give this one... Hmm. I've given that two eights. <laughs> so do, do I go... I'll go 7.5. 7.5. Connor? Uh, it's a solid 7 for me. I had fun with it. Yeah. Uh, I will go... I'll agree with Matt and go with a 7.5. Uh, I think... I think it's a solid 7 book, but they are just kind of bumping it up a little bit, just giving it a bit of a a bit of a sheen that I think uh, feels quite nice. So that is, uh, that is cool. Alright. The Flash, issue 779, Jeremy Adams writing with Brent Peoples and Fernando Passarin on the art. And this is exciting because Matt is caught up and has also read this, yep. this new issue of The Flash, so I don't have to go on my own anymore. So last issue, the kids... Uh, basically realized that that was in trouble because uh, Jay could sense it now that he's got his powers back, and very quickly like, hey, we should go and help him. And they take Maxine with them, uh, who who has to sort of mention like sort of quickly that she has animal powers at some point. I right. I do love though right before the teleport though she's like, wait, we have to go help your dad. Who's your dad? <laughs> and then the, the yeah. teleport is like the flashes there. It's like, oh okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, there we go. Um. But yeah, it's just, she mentions that she's connecting to some weirdly like, alien animals and stuff in Gem World at one point. She's like, there's, there's like a slug outside that has like this high sense of smell that can mm-hmm. tell when someone's lying. Because that's important at one point because Opal's trying to say that he's going to help again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so nah, good fun stuff. 
you know, obviously Wally knows who Animal Man is. Uh, in fact, Maxine yep. even introduces herself as Animal Girl. <laughs> which, like, which I loved. Yeah. That's, that's good. So, um, so, no, good stuff all around here. Uh, like, the the actual plot of, like, stopping Eclipso, it is just fine. Like, you know, they, they yeah, have to, uh, like, all the kids have to work together to, like, clear Wally a path so he can get in and use the spear to, to stab mm-hmm. Eclipso because it'll stop him. Um, I, I like Which, the, double, the double page spread where the, the big beam's going up from the crystal and it's like yeah. all, all the different aliens on these planets are starting to be mind controlled. Like, all, all that I stuff was fun so. enough. Yeah. The stuff that's worked with me since coming back to this book is the family stuff with Wally. Mm-hmm. How his anchor for getting back, right, when he first got lost, was his family. Because um, that's the whole point of him having that race with Wally when the surge happened, or with Barry, was to go back and just try to live as normal life as possible. Um, and so just the fact that the kids are able to to come to him, you know, uh, when when they, they're needed, and that Jay is willing to sacrifice himself and deal with his pain to help his dad win the day. I just, yeah. you know, Which gets there's a lot of good stuff there. By the end of the issue, because uh, Wally's got this surge of extra speed force that uh, mm-hmm. the Spectre says, hey, you can give that to your son to, to fix. Yeah, so after after he uses the, the, the spear on the, the vampire, whatever his name was, um, and saves the day, the, the Spectre comes to kind of collect Eclipso, who's now in this, this what do they call it, the glaive? Which I, I hope shows back up because I like any type of Eclipso mm. stuff, as, as we know. Um, but it, it ties into Eclipso's origin as a as an angel of vengeance, and how um, Sector's coming to clean up. Which I, I kind of like all this kind of metaphysical stuff at play here in a flashbook, because normally we don't get that. It's all very sci-fi. Mm. Um, so for here, they're they're talking about the one above all, and that how. You know, um, Wally is just kind of like, well, you know, I just, I'm just trying to get back to my family. And Sector's like, oh, well, this has all happened just, you know, because you're the perfect person to handle all this type of stuff. And I just really liked how, you know, you can think of the one above all as, as God with the big G or anything, but it's also kind of just, for me, I kind of read that as almost the fans who were just like, well, we want Wally to do something important. Sure, yeah. You know, we've been wanting him forever. So this is, or maybe not the fans, maybe it's the writer here, and that he's going like, yeah, well, yeah, we did all this with Wally because we knew he could handle it, and we wanted to give him something of importance to do, and that's why. And I just, it's really saccharine, but it just I, I, it really I, hit my heart. I think you know? the, the fans' take on it, I think, works better than the writer, because the writer feels a bit egotistical. <laughs> maybe, but like... Put, put again, himself into the role of God. <laughs> Yeah, but like he is a creator, right? Jeremy Adams here is the creator, for lack of a better term. But yeah, but I, I think you know, looking at it, fans, it's more like we are the powers sure. that be that are sort of like striving you for, well, or you know, striving and wanting these way. things to work out. Uh, Joe, I really, like, I really like that when Maxine's running with, uh, with with Irie, uh, yeah. you, you know, obviously the way that they portray the animal powers is they have like the red sort of almost like green lantern construct of like an animal around yeah. her, right? I love that she's got like she's like embodying a cheetah. When she's running mm-hmm. with just, I mean, she would. I mean, even a cheetah wouldn't keep up with a flash speedster. But like the idea that she's keeping up better than she would otherwise because she's running yeah. at sixty miles an hour well, is kind of cool. She's using an alien animal, right? Because they got to be within close. Is uh, that how animal powers work? I I don't. I mean, uh, to an extent, but I think like 
Because uh, some of the other animals she's become are definitely not earthbound. Oh yeah, she 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 becomes like know? a giant claw thing at one point, and then like right. a giant like beast. It looks like one of the the, the worms from um, Tremors. Kind of. Yeah, graboid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's some of the more fun stuff in the mm-hmm. in those sequences. Um, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So obviously after that, the just lead darker back to normal while he has his conversation with the specter, mm-hmm. um, and they comment, "Hey, okay, so he if." He gives he fixes he fixes Jay so that Jay now mm-hmm. still has his powers but he's not in pain anymore. So and he's got like a new name, surge. yeah, because he's like, hey, Surge is a good name for a for a hero. So and I love Irie asking, hey, so like, how does my name work out now? Because when she took the Impulse name, Impulse wasn't around. Yeah, and he's kind of not around anymore either. Thanks, Bendis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, yeah, I wonder um, if we get her with the name Impulse. I, I just love that the, yeah. the kids got their own little storyline that then yep. tied into the main plot. Uh, mm-hmm. The big ending of the issue, though, is that you know, they mention, oh, you know, mum must be worried. And we cut to we cut to Linda, and she's like trying to write a, a book. Clearly, it sounds like it's somewhat based on her husband's adventures, because she's yeah. talking about uh, uh, his red hair unkempt and long from years in isolation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she's uh, trying to write a book and she gets like, you know, hungry and she gets up and then she notices the kids aren't there and she freaks mm-hmm. out. And then she runs outside and she super speeds. There's some lightning trailing from her. And there's a lot, I mean, the joke here is that she uses one of the fake words she made in her, her little novel where she's, yeah. uh, she goes, oh, snargle bargle. Uh, so it's a funny little ending in the context of what was set up. But uh, yeah, Linda seems to have a little bit of powers right now, and I'm yeah. sure we're going to explore in the next few issues as to why, so, how, when. Here's my theory. Go on. She's pregnant. Ah, there you has go. Has a force baby, a speed force baby, and that by him fixing the speed force and doing all this, is that there's another one on the way, and as as long as she's you know as long as the baby's in utero. She'll have a tie to the Speed Force. Um, that would make some yeah. sense. Yeah. Or, or or just Speed Force, man. You don't have to explain anything, right? Yeah. In a comic book way, that would make enough sense for yeah. me. Um, yes. And Connor bobbing his head to whatever he's listening to really <laughs> obviously is kind of funny. Uh, so, no, nah, uh, good time. Like I said, the family stuff. Uh, and this is my favorite part about it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm digging into the focus they're getting. So, uh, yeah, it good. just it also made me realize how sh- shitty of a fan I can be sometimes. Where I was like, I want Wally West back, and not like this. And then it was like, oh no, I just got through those first couple issues, mm. uh, and it was yeah, it's it's a really fun read. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad I do listen when you talk about stuff. Because uh, <laughs> like some people, that, yeah, it was a clip. I'm that listening. I'm me- just ignoring you. <laughs> It was a clip that brought me back, but then now really it's it's the West family and just again I brought it up on the show before, but like I'll never forget when Wally came back the first time um in the pages of, of the Lightning Saga with JLA or Justice League and JSA. And just I remember that feeling. Um and just like so here to have him back and after having him gone for you know, however long and then kinda he was there, but not really the longest time. Like, there's that weird Titans book for a while, but him being able to carry a Flash title again, just for me, it means a lot. Yeah, no, good vibes, good vibes. Uh, all right, Matt, what are you giving the Flash? I'm gonna give this a 
207.5, and we didn't even really touch on the art. How, not that it's all over the place because it's mostly fine, but there's some weird inks going on on some of the, the pages where it's the same artist as earlier, but a different inker, and there's just an mm-hmm. inconsistency uh, throughout. But it's not like, it's not a deal breaker. It didn't get my enjoyment. It's just something I noticed. But yeah, 7.5. Yeah, uh, I actually like I like the coloring quite a bit because it's just it's nice mm-hmm. and vibrant, and yeah. I, I think that's usually good for a flashback because you want the red to pop and you want, uh, it, I don't know, it just the, the, you want it to feel fun compared to you, you know, whereas like a, a bat book you might want more mu- moody muted mm-hmm. colors potentially not always but you might, uh, yeah. So a straight seven for me. Like I I don't think it's. I think the flashes are just a consistent seven out of ten for me, and it's it's delivering me something I want. It's scratching an itch that I have, without being exceptional, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be exceptional. Not everything has to be exceptional, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was seven out of ten for me. So, uh, that's cool. All right. So Batman the Night. This is issue two, and it's Chip Zarsky writing with Carmine DJ Domenico on the art, and it's uh not much of a time jump it's bruce quite soon after he's in paris it's ultimately how he's going to meet Descartes. uh by the end of the issue but mm-hmm. it's his time with an older thief uh thief who is obviously kind of like a prototype for catwoman in a lot of ways 0.5 yeah um but this is one who's older than him who's you know middle-aged and he's you know like 19 or whatever he's meant to be right now he can't be older than 20 surely no, I wouldn't right. have thought so. So he is this younger man, uh, which is why later on in the story when he kisses her and she's like, ah, oh, I mean, I'm tempted, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm like pushing 50 or whatever she's meant to be. Uh, so... Um, she stole his heart. Yeah. So that, that's definitely felt different from the first issue because this was more of a straight mm-hmm. story that just sort of went sequentially. Uh, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed this one a lot more. Um, and, and also reading, I started... Uh, uh, well, my comics wouldn't load. Um, <laughs> I did. I do have Zadarcy's Daredevil, right? So I started reading that. Yes. Um, and there is some, I can tell the stylings. And it's not just because, you know, Batman, Daredevil. But this no. one feels much more like a Zadarsky issue uh, with that Daredevil and some of the other stuff I've read. Like the, the Red Hood story in, in Urban Legends mm-hmm. uh, that he did. So I'm much more in on this issue. Than I was on the first one. I mean, I was pretty in on it already, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm a big fan of this issue as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I went for a bit of a weird mixed emotion at first because it, it, when it started off and I, it's it, it, it became clear it was just going to be more of a straightforward issue. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is like doing as as many unique things with this like sort of part of his origin, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm less interested because of that. But then as it went on and it sort of like got to you know further beats in the story, I was like, okay, I'm kind of digging kind of like what it's doing here with him. Him, and then the the box of teeth at the end. Yeah, and but him realizing that he is like he has to learn from criminals to be the best. Because I mean, if there's one thing I don't like in this issue, there's a line of dialogue near the start where he says that he beat the best fencing, best fencer. You're going to complain about the internet reference, are you? No. Oh, I'm no. surprised because you've complained about things like that in Batman Origins before. No, 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 no. I just I I hate that he says I bet you know I I. I I practiced fencing for two weeks and, and bet the best fencer after that. I mean, he's a Mary Sue. What do you want? Yeah, that, that, that's my problem with it. It's like, I'm okay with, with Bruce learning to do really tough things and becoming the best at everything, but I don't like the implication that he is able to do any of it easily. Like, it should, it well, should... no, it gives him, 
it gives him a superpower. I mean, and, you know, like he has super learning. Uh, the, the idea that Bruce went away for a handful of years and came back the best at everything is already a bit like, yeah, it plays it to the he's, he's always well, that's, there too. But that's where, like, I, I complain about Ghostmaker a lot, right? But I feel like that's what Ghostmaker kind of is mocking as is now you have another one that's like that. So it doesn't make Bruce special. I'm right? just, there's almost like people but, uh, that can... you keep it vague enough that it doesn't matter though like you like this, no, but... this was just so specific i it took me two weeks to become the best fencer in the world yeah. like <laughs> like yeah, no. yeah, yeah no i understand that i also like that in this issue it starts with him almost having this cockiness to where as he's trying to learn how to be a thief it's so counter to who bruce wayne is on the inside he has a hard time adapting to it you know He's not instantly good at it, and that's where some of the some of the conflict comes from. Uh, and I so I do enjoy that aspect of it, but but yeah, two weeks to become the world's best fencer it made me roll my eyes. Yeah, I, I just there's, you know? there's something I'd rather didn't do. You, I think you can get the the general idea of him becoming like some of the best at some things without definitively stating that he is the literal best at these things. Uh, it's you know that's something I rather didn't do. Uh, but yeah, he runs into this cat thief, this cat burglar. Uh, not not a thief of cats. <laughs> to be clear. Shadow, no. Yes, that's the other one. Yes, uh, yes, the gray shadow and encounters her, and she bests him. You know, she's able to get away, and this frustrates him. And she's so fascinated by him that she intentionally comes to see him the next day. She knows who he is. Comes and you know when he's out having coffee or whatever, and basically says, "Hey, you, you want to learn how to catch me? Well, I can teach you how to do that." Uh, and invites him to come along that night. And it starts this relationship of them, basically it's him being trained by her to, you know, be stealthy, to get into places unnoticed, to break alarms, all things that are going to be useful as Batman. I mean, that's the thing. Like, everything she's describing, everything he's describing, his narration about learning, it's like, oh, this is all Batman stuff. Like, he needs to know how to do all this. There's a point where he acknowledges, like, Joe, I don't really want to be a criminal. I don't want to work with these people. But these skills... These are what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be breaking into place. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be trespassing. I am essentially going to be a criminal. Yeah. Uh, and we're interested in the card separately. There's a like a murder that happens. Uh, this killer yeah, is going to He's basically Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he's he's called in to, called in to yeah. advise. Yeah. Well, because there's a, a the, it opens with this serial killer roaming around uh, Paris. And this is who um, Ducard's called in to help with. Yeah, the serial killer in this case, he kills entire families barring one child. Like, he'll mm-hmm. always leave one child alive, usually the yeah. youngest. But yeah. so, so it's quite brutal. It's a brutal, like, you know, series of murders that's happening in the mm-hmm. city. And uh, the cards on the case, seemingly. Uh, and this comes back in at the end when uh, somehow it's led him across the path of, of uh, Bruce and Grey Ghost. Uh, probably related to the teeth in the box, I, I, I suspect. Yeah. Uh, because that's they seem to maybe have stolen from the killer, it would seem. But yes. um, yeah, so yeah, we get like a montage, of, you know, them practicing and training, and she's like, "No, tonight we actually go steal something," uh, and it doesn't go very well. Police show up. Uh, Bruce gets shot in the leg, and part of me thought, "Oh, maybe she's going to ditch him," and like, "Oh, because she doesn't mm-hmm. actually care about that much." But she does. No, she like you know picks him up, mm-hmm. takes him to it, safety. It goes out of its way to show that yes, she's a, a thief and a criminal, and. But she's not like a, a terrible person. She's, 
Yeah, she's a thief, but not a villain. Yeah. Right? Like, she steals stuff. And they even point out early not... on, she's got a bit of a Robin Hood thing going as well, where she yeah. gives a lot of it back to the, the and poor. He does kind of go, yeah, yeah, but you're wearing some real expensive stuff yeah. there. You, you ain't <laughs> yeah. giving it all away. Yeah, yes. like, yeah I, have, I have taste. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if she's giving half to people who need it, then keeping half to be rich, I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, still a net benefit i suppose overall yeah. for the people yeah um, at least she's not claiming it's a charity and then driving a lamborghini true i thought you were going to make a really specific reference to, to something in in the uk this week but then you didn't no no i was that's just more about uh the head i don't remember what charity it was but like the head of some charities like you know got like a super expensive car yeah i, I thought you were going to make a reference no. there's something just the last couple of days of uh, if you remember captain tom from the stuff during lockdown, some yeah, like, like he was like a hundred-year-old veteran, mm. and uh, was like walking around his garden to raise money for NHS. Uh, there was a whole thing this week where the uh, the charity set up in his name uh, tried to install his I don't know if it was daughter or his granddaughter as the CEO with like a hundred and fifty thousand pound salary, <laughs> which is like ten percent of their total earnings so far. And uh, it got blocked by like you know the the, the watchdogs stuff like that. Uh, nope, as it should be. That. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that's what you were about to reference. No, when you started no. About, you know charities. They've no. they been really topical. And, and I mean, if just... someone has to run it, then someone has to run it. But 150 grand salary seems a bit I, excessively I think, high. I think for context, I think it's the RSPCA, the head of them, which is obviously like one of the biggest charities in the UK. Uh, their CEO is on like 150k, but their their income is like hundreds of times, you know, this yeah. relatively new charity that's existed for a year. Oh, well, there you go. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's when they're pat- patching up, yeah, you know, she's uh, stitching up his leg that she ends up kissing him. Uh, or sorry, he ends up kissing her, I should say. And mm-hmm. she kind of pulls away and isn't like, you know, uncomfortable by it and even like comments to herself that she, she kind of wishes that she was younger. So she. Ah, well, that's, that's the French for you. Uh, feel going for it, yeah. But part of me thought they were maybe going to do a thing here where she did actually kind of go along and have a fling with him, and it'd be kind of his, uh, you know, his coming of age fling with this older woman. Uh, um, that'll, that'll happen later in the book, it may still happen, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a secret compartment in the box they stole that has all these uh, teeth popping out. Uh, but the big cliffhanger is that the card is there, he has her at gun, you know, he's got her as a sort of shield and is pointing the gun at both of them, and uh, there you go. So this is how he meets the card. Uh, you imagine, mm-hmm. assuming it's going to follow some form of you know traditional origin story mm-hmm. stuff, that he will end up also learning from the card. But yeah, uh, maybe they'll swerve us. So yeah, maybe mm-hmm. they'll swerve us and spin out of that. But uh, while while this is being unconventional, I don't think it's being that flagrantly just throwing stuff out for the yeah, sake of it because that yeah. would be just throwing it out for the sake of it. Yeah, it's not trying to completely contradict everything it's just trying to add its own spin on things yeah this is a unique take but it, it doesn't necessarily there's a version of continuity where so far this could kind of work right mm-hmm. yeah um you know my, my feelings on this is that are pretty similar to the first issue overall in the sense that i think it's well enough put together i, I like the voice mostly for bruce and i think it's a, a nice pleasant read i'm still not convinced i need another sort of part of the origin like this sort of embellished <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm not. It's not convinced me yet. It needs to exist, and it may, it may never do that, and that may be okay. But uh, it does feel a bit superfluous in that sense. But yeah, I get that. I've kind of 
realizing I've kind of just like compartmentalized that and go, okay, this doesn't need to exist. But as long as it's good, I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah. And so far, you know. That, that, I mean, that gets me so far, but there's always just that lingering feeling of, like, do we know anybody doing this again? Or doing a version of this? You know, there's always that part of me still there. So, I mean, that, that kind of was the biggest thing going against it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, how did you feel about it, Matt? I, a lot of the same things, but at least I like what I'm reading. It doesn't, like, this issue especially, it moved. Um, so, but I, I like a lot of the voice of the characters, too, because, like, when he first shows up to talk with... Um, uh, the thief lady. Um, he's like, how'd you know? It's like, well, it's like being followed by a bull. Uh, and then um, she says, oh yeah, I'll, I'll teach you and your, your, you know, thundering hooves, something along those lines. And yeah, there's which, just a lot of Which is a nice humor for her to bring up because she actually does if effectively Batman out the scene the night before. Yeah. Like, you know, she disappears and he's like, right. how did she do that? Which is funny right. because that's what he does to everyone uh, right. when he's Batman. And so, with with the card showing up at the end, it's you know like you guys said they they probably stole something that belonged to the killer, and he's tracked it to them. Um, you know now he's going to learn the flip side of of the detective. You know he's learned from the thief. Now he's going to learn from Ducard. Yeah. So, um, whereas after the last issue, we weren't even sure how much of a time jump right. it was going to be because of like how right. individual it felt. This feels right. like the next issue has to pick up pretty much. Where it leaves off. More or less exactly, yeah. yeah. Right. So. Yeah. You could do a little bit and like just flash back to this yeah, moment yeah. if you wanted to, but I, I don't think it can go too extreme. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, uh, Larry, Matt, what are you giving it? Um, maybe the 7.5. Okay. Connor? Um, uh, I'll go with an 8.5. I, I really enjoyed this and I really like the art. Yeah. Uh, old Gia Domenico's got his, his spin on things. Um, I, I, th- I think I'm going to agree with Matt Mole and Connor here with the number. Um, mm. and not put a four point five is excellent. I just typed uh seven point five. Uh, because like I say, there's just this like feeling of like I don't know if we need to be doing this. I'm not sure what makes this worthwhile yet necessarily, mm-hmm. other than just being kind of good. <laughs> Maybe it's enough, but that, that, that's for me is enough. But I get why it's not. Yeah. Perfect. So hey, uh, but there you go. That's Batman: The Night Issue Two. Next up is Supergirl: Women of Tomorrow Issue Eight, the final issue. This is Tom King, of course, and Bilquis Evely on the art, and we get to wrap up a yet another Tom King book. We're kind of in a, mm-hmm. a period here of wrapping a lot of these up. So. Yeah, obviously we had the cliffhanger. What's funny, actually, is that all of Supergirl, Women of Tomorrow, to go back to something I said about uh, Batman the Night issue one, is um, every single issue of Supergirl, Women of Tomorrow, uh, until the end of issue seven, seven to eight is the only time that's different. But they've all had these time jumps because they've all felt like really distinct individual chapters. Mm-hmm. Issue seven getting into issue eight is the only time it's had a direct cliffhanger, which had to be picked up like immediately. And it's interesting because it almost makes it feel like the most important transition between issues because it does because they didn't really do cliffhires in the traditional sense before. Mm-hmm. This made it feel like a really big deal that there was a cliffhanger because it just gave it this more weight, which is interesting yeah. to just not do it the whole time at the issue ends, but then do it at issue seven, get into eight. Uh, it's, it's a touch. Uh, it gave it a bit more of, a, of, a, of an effect because of that. Uh, but yeah, we ended with uh, Ruthie with the sword up. Uh, 
to uh, Krem's neck, and she, you know, she's, go- she's going to make the choice to kill him. But here, you know, as Supergirl is still dealing with the, the brigand uh, with Comet, uh, it actually is a bit more long form than that, where she unties him and says, no, like, my father taught me right from wrong, and I can't just kill someone unarmed like you did. Like, it has to be more of a fair fight. Which just feels like, oh, but you're just setting yourself up for failure then, because this guy, like... Right. But we we know that she survives enough to write all this down, right? So then it started to make me question things. I was like, well, we haven't been seeing seeing her keeping a journal. I'm pretty sure she's going to make it out, but I got very worried here. Because this is, as we've seen throughout, this is a very bad dude. Because yeah, there's always the chance that this is like a, a post grave uh, narration, right. right? There's always the right. There's that too. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so when when she sticks the sword in the ground, it was like, all right, we're gonna race to it. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, what are you doing, girl? Uh, yeah, and she kicks him in the face, and uh, Krem gets. It actually gets quite brutal where she she cuts off his fingers. So there's like a really mm-hmm. great because she she manages to get the sword and she cuts off his fingers. He's yelling, you bitch, like, over and over again. And mm-hmm. she has the chance to kill him, and when she actually gets the chance to swipe at his neck, she can't do it. And she keeps trying. She tries, like, multiple times, and every time, she just can't do it. Um, And it's this big thing. So it's this idea where she, like, really has the chance to, and kind of earns it in fair combat as well. It's not just yeah. like she can kill him in cold blood, and she still can't do it. Um, Meanwhile, Supergirl shows up with Comet now in human form, Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's 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 dead. Comet's I, dead. Yeah. So that was the thing. I don't know if we brought up on Comet when when they first showed up. How just weird Comet's origin is, and I was wondering if King was going to get into that at all. And I kind of just love how she explains it, but it's almost in grief. You know, like um, yeah. it, it's it, you know he was cursed. You know, it's it's complicated, but that's not the point. The point was that he was still there for me. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the sort of thing where really she, like... she explains it really quickly, and it's like if you really want to know a lot about this, go and look it yeah. up <laughs> because it's quite it's quite weird. <laughs> right, but I just I love the the pacing uh, of that when when she puts him down and sees that Krem's there and that that Ruthie is yeah has let him through. Big... He's in not good shape, you know. The big reveal here though is that Supergirl is that is that Crypto's fine. Crypto was actually mm-hmm. okay from the start because, you know, she took him to a vet on the planet and he's fine. They've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Crypto's completely fine. And this journey was about trying to, like, teach Ruthie to let go of her vengeance. That's what the whole mm-hmm. point of the journey was. It was about her. Uh, she didn't need her help to track down crime. She could have done that on her own to arrest him or bring him to justice. Mm-hmm. This was all about giving the girl a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And... What's the ironic, the dark irony of it though is that she feels that she's failed, and because of that, she almost like says, "Well, there's a hypocrisy in me, my teachings," because she thought that she could teach her like to not like obsess over the thing, but it's a crock of shit because I still dream of Krypton. That's you know that's I mean I'm, I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. slightly, but she's like, "No, I still dream of Krypton." So who am I to say that you should give this up? And she actually goes to like maybe kill Krem herself, mm-hmm. and it's actually Ruthie yelling out. I learned the lesson. I learned it to stop Supergirl from like sort of mm-hmm. like betraying herself and becoming someone who kills. So there's this really wonderful kind of knock-on effect of like, no, Supergirl did teach her the lesson and made her like a, an empathetic person, and in turn, Ruthie had to then teach her that back and sort of say, no, 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 you did teach me this. Like I'm going to stop you from doing this. Um, 
And so there's kind of a sweet ending here uh, to it, even though it gets like Supergirl's in a really dark place by the end. Um, mm. And it's this idea of letting go of those things that sort of like you obsess over your whole life. And for Supergirl, it has been the destruction of Krypton. It has been this. And, you know, I, I think that's why King took the time to tell her really sort of dark version of, of the, mm-hmm. of her leaving Krypton. It was, you know, it was a, yeah, the Argo City stuff. Yeah, the bit yeah. more in detail than normal. Um, and we get like the montage through all of the, all the, 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 the chapters the of the journey. Yeah. Like all the different situations they've been in as she narrates through it. And, you know, it's great. It builds up and, you know. Supergirl says to her, it, it's too big and we're too small, which is something Ruthie said back at the start of the, mm-hmm. the, start of the series uh, about how small you feel when everything's like overbearing. Um, and we cut to the future where Ruthie's an old woman after she's written her book and Supergirl shows up in a different costume with shorter hair just to sort of show that time has passed. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ruthie's like saying, who's a good boy? Crypto's a good dog and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Um she admits that, oh, you read the book? Oh, it's full of, like, you know, there's nonsense in that book, you know I mean? There's half-truth, it's fiddle Yeah, Which, you know, you don't really know what's fake until the last page where she mentions that in the book Supergirl did kill him. <laughs> like, she killed uh, Krem. Um, but, basically, she's here just now because they're going to let Krem out of the Phantom Zone. And we find out that he mm-hmm. spent 300 years in the Phantom Zone uh, serving time. Mm-hmm. And apparently, after a hundred years of being angry, and then a hundred years of whatever, he actually spent the last hundred years being, uh, you know, reformed, and he's been trying to redeem himself, and he's he's, you know, remorseful for what he's done. And Krem comes out of the Phantom Zone, and he starts like you know, saying he was a lost soul, and he's begging for forgiveness and all the rest of it, and he's pleading, "Please forgive me, please forgive me," as he goes over to Ruthie. And the last page is kind of a punchline where Ruthie, with her cane, as an old woman. Hits him on the head and walks away. And the, the the final beat of the story is this idea that she's moved on and she has given up her vengeance, but that doesn't mean that she owes him for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And she leaves. Because I, I, did, I did notice that some people online uh, mistook this as her killing him here at the um, end. Yeah, yeah, And he's not. At, at, first, at first I did because in that first, because it's all in silhouette, that yeah. first panel, it looks like blood spatter, right? Um... So it almost looks like she stabbed him, but then you see him move. Yeah, he, he, he sort of he sort of face palms on the ground. Yeah. in silhouette. Yeah, he sort of holding yeah. his pen. She pain. gives him the old kabang, you know. Um, I saw people complaining too that after all of this, Kara still referred to as Supergirl and how disrespectful that is. And then when I finally got to read this, I was like, well, wait, that's how Ruthie knows her. Yeah, and that's how Krim knows her. So even after all these years, when Kara shows up, and she might be Superwoman, she might have different whatever. Yeah. To them, it's still Supergirl. Um, yeah, I, I don't, and I also and, like the idea that like it would be disrespectful for her to still be referred to as Supergirl. You know, if, if if she's yeah, if she's still, if she's still cool with being called that, then I don't see the. Yeah, the and I just I saw I was like, that's a real small thing to get hung up on at the end of this fantastic issue. You yeah, know, like, uh, and like you say, it's th- to them she's still that, regardless of right. whatever she's been and, known and for all we as know, in the greater world. As as the movie Interstellar taught us, <laughs> time time moves differently and mm-hmm. different and spots, right? And so, for crime and whatever, that might have been three hundred years, and for Kara though, it might not have been. You know how like how long? Because we all know time also moves different in the Phantom Zone. 
Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I, I'm not assuming that Ruthie's like 300 years old here. I'm assuming yeah. she's, you know, 80 or something like that. Right. So, like, time moves different and all this other stuff. So, like, um, the, the whole point, though, is, like, through his, you know, imprisonment in the Phantom Zone, he, he had to sit with his thoughts and he learned the same kind of lessons that Ruthie did just through a different perspective. And at the end of the day, she's just like, well, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm going to bonk him on the head uh, after all of this, yeah. you know? So I, uh, it's really, really well done. Yeah. Uh, right. And the narration here at the end is at the end of the book. And at the end of the book mm-hmm. that she wrote, uh, she actually wrote that Supergirl mm-hmm. killed him. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of like that. That's like what she meant by it. And maybe there was other things that were also kind of fabricated, but that's like the main thing that we know for a fact is false. Yeah. Uh, right. So... No, it's really nice, and yeah, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting touch because you know it's all about letting go of what you're obsessing over, of letting go of mm-hmm. you know, whether it be vengeance or in Kara's case, I wouldn't call it vengeance with Krypton, although, but it's definitely an no, anger, you know. Yeah, there's with her, it's this weird mix of anger and grief. Is that you know she has to mourn these people in a way that Clark didn't have to because Clark never really knew the other Kryptonians. He was a baby. Yeah, she. And- these are all memories. Uh, that she has and that she has to come to terms with her that are just gone. And, you know, and for yeah. Ruthie, you know, with the death of her father, that was effectively mm-hmm. her world being just taken mm-hmm. from her. And right. you know, it's kind of funny that you, you in, in a different context, you could totally do this, this story with Kara. Like if the ages were different, like this, this could be Bruce. That's, you know, like this could be her trying to like teach Bruce to let go of his anger and vengeance. Although then mm-hmm. we wouldn't have Batman. So <laughs> it would be, it would be a different mm-hmm. you know, version of that. But like, there's so many superheroes who have this tragic thing that happened in their backstory that you could fit into this if you wanted to. But obviously yeah. here we get to, like, you know, actually deal with uh, an original character for all the reasons that that offers. Uh, mm-hmm. And partly because we want it to be this, uh, you know, universe-spanning adventure uh, yeah. through all these different worlds and species and whatnot. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, you know... Supergirl often is defined by being angrier than Superman and also the fact that she mm-hmm. did get to remember Krypton. And I think mm-hmm. this being her trying to help someone remove their obsession and anger, but sort of using that to explore that she still has this anger herself, mm-hmm. is, I think it's a good bit of storytelling. Um, yeah. And, and how she learns to move on from it and, you know, becomes with that, uh, the, the super, let's say, let's just call her the superwoman that shows back up to visit Ruthie, you know, to, to let her yeah. have this closure. And some of the sentiment know? towards the end as well, like, you know, like, yeah, bad things are still going to happen. Cruel are still mm-hmm. going to, you know, be cruel to the weak or to, yeah. to the kind. But, you know, you keep trying to help people, you keep trying to do nice things, and you keep trying to, like, restore the balance. And it's those forces. Mm-hmm. And there's it's someone like Supergirl who's there to keep trying to push that forward. That So there, there is an uplifting vibe here, but it's also... That that final little point, which has a little bit of humor to it, but it's like, yeah, like you can give up your anger and your revenge and all the other things, but it doesn't necessarily mean you owe the person that you were angry at forgiveness either. Like, is it still on them to like deal with their own guilt if they ever get to a better place to actually feel that? Because mm-hmm. obviously, Krim didn't, you know, and then the main part of the story, Krim was just this completely monstrous asshole who didn't care right. about anything but himself. Right. But uh. No, so yeah, very good. Um, and honestly, the the only problem with this is that when you compare it to other Tom King books, is that he's got such a caliber at this point that it's hard mm-hmm. to uh go. I mean, I, I guess we'll rate this issue first before I 
we bother comparing yeah. it, but uh, what are you giving Supergirl issue 8? Uh, I'm going to give it 8.5. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I agree with 8.5. I think I'm in the same mm-hmm. same wavelength as that. Um, but yeah, as far as comparing it goes, like, I really dug this story, ultimately. I think once it started to find its feet and I knew what it was mm-hmm. doing, I was really into it. The only problem is, is that when I compare it to Rorschach, uh, Strange Adventures, or Mr. Miracle, all of a sudden, I'm like, well, it's, it's fourth <laughs> in the list. Yeah, it... Just because, like... It's not even an issue-length thing, right? It's just kind of the subject matter. This is a lot more focused on Supergirl. Those other books are kind of sprawling. Um, Rorschach had this intricate, you know... Yeah, web of stuff to keep track of and whatnot. And so for simplicity, that, that's great, right? It shows a different speed of King. Um, but but yeah, it's not like... But that's still a very strong four, you know? Oh, for sure. Like, this is you head know? and shoulders above, like, the stuff that I don't like from King, which is, you know, Heroes yeah. in Crisis, or, you know, this is not even... This is great. You know, this is much better than what Batman and Catwoman is kind of sitting at, like... Yeah, but, that's there's only five of those, let's say, and that one's easily sixth. You know? Yeah. So, so no, like know. this is great. This is this is the low end of the great Tom King stuff, which sounds like a yeah. weird backhanded compliment, but um that's no. a good thing. Like it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and with the way human target's going too, that seems to be much more of a this kind of sprawling where he's taking an issue to deal with a different human, member human of the Human Target's on a good trajectory, let's just say that. Yeah, that's what I mean. But <laughs> yeah. like but yeah, I just feel like this being the what was it, eight issues? Yeah. You know, he he it's almost like it was a challenge for him to do the story differently. And I don't know if that's true or not, you know. But this is definitely a different kind of Tom King story, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um because those other ones definitely feel like more of their cut from the same cloth. Like, you know, Rorschach and Strange Adventures really have a theme of what is the truth. And even I guess thinking about it, so does this, because what we know about the ending. Um so I guess I guess that's not entirely true. Now that I think about it, I need I need to sit back and and take these all in, you know, because um, yeah. because Mister Miracle definitely doesn't I don't feel has there's a thread of that, but it's not the uh, almost the point yeah. there. He's he's, but, he's building a very special library of work at this point, and yeah. I'm like I'm so, I'm so excited for that new book that was announced, and I, which seems so different from everything else just on yeah. its face. So. So, um, it's good stuff. But yeah, no, Tom Tom King is. I, I I'm so glad that the found this groove. Like, you know, this is where he's best mm-hmm. suited. So now he's just going to be doing three constant minis at any given time, and that's just yeah. Great. Him, <laughs> him with a month to month book where it fits into all these different things. I don't think really fitted fit him. Um, so you know he has this this Batman Catwoman book that seems to be more traditional coming. He has that that crazy one. Um, I forget the title off the top of my head. That we talked about today, and and Human Target going right now, and they're all so different, but they all very much feel like Tom King, uh, at the same time, and I'm just glad that I don't have to deal with any more of his Batman stuff, like from the, you know, uh, his his Batman run, which looking back on it, like sure there's a lot of good there, but when it didn't work, it really didn't work, um, and so far I'll stick up for the first half of it. I think the first half was I mean. great. Yeah, but like when it when when it was great for me, like the, the war jokes and riddles, I thought was really, really strong. 
that that Bane story, the I am Batman, that second arc, I did not enjoy that whatsoever. Um, and it was kind of giving me whiplash. Anyway, anyway, that's just, just that's just tangent into no, just no, no. old We're, Tom King stuff again. Uh, with these though, I don't have that sense of whiplash. Like they're so different, but they still feel very much of the same writer. Uh, so I feel like he's, like you said, he found that groove of what kind of stories he wants to tell. So yeah. Uh, all right. There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, mm-hmm. favorite artist, and uh, rank the top five books. So that's what we're going to do. Um, all right. So starting off with panel slash moment, uh, Matt, what you? Uh... I'm I'm gonna go with this the small moment from Nightwing, but it's when Ke- you see that uh, Keelix is petting Haley the dog, Bite Wing. Um, it almost feels sinister, but Sinister in the way parts of E.T. feel sinister. Mm. Uh, I just really like it. That's cool. Uh, Connor? I'm actually going with the very next panel of Kellex being like, you dropped this fast mm-hmm. in my direction, <laughs> referring to the uh, the Christmas stick. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, because I'm going with the, the pajama bottoms, so we're all taking oh panels from the same scene. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, with something pop shit, pop shit. There's this, there's true, you know. Not much you can, not much you can dare say. Um, all right, uh, cover of the week. Um, uh, I mean, I think uh, the easy answer for me, uh, honestly, is probably the regular detective cover that penguin, mm. uh, like you know, paintings just wonderfully detailed and like sinister. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm digging it. Obviously, Nightwing cover is very nice. Uh, it tends to have at least a couple of good covers. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that Detective Wood has uh, feels good to be a gangster <laughs> uh, on there. That is hilarious. Yeah, obviously, uh, the Nightwing variant, the Jamal Campbell one, which are usually really pretty, mm-hmm. uh, is eating a slice of pizza up top, and I'm like, that's a very Spider-Man <laughs> cover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good cover, though. which is not a complaint uh, by any means. Uh, all right, uh, Connor, we got. Um, I do really like that Nightwing cover, though you're just some other Campbell one. Just a question on that before I tell you what mm-hmm. mine actually is. What are those flying in the background? Is it a Superman? Because it looks like there are dragons flying. Oh, dragons? Oh, I was already close to the thing. Are they drones? I, I don't know. They look like dragons. There's just silhouettes like, further back. They, they, I don't know what they're meant to be, but... Oh, no, I think that's uh, like a Superman with the capes kind of sprawling. Really? Oh, no, oh they're like pterodactyls to me. Pterodactyls is closer to dragons. I'll, I'll take yeah. that. I could buy the one on the left being a pterodactyl. Oh, no. It's, a, right. I think it's, it's just birds. They're just birds. Yeah. Very the first time a mysterious flying object's been revealed to be a bird. I mean, the one, the, the one in the right is a bit of a weird angle, so I think it's sort of like side on, so it looks like a bit of a weird shape. But I think it's just the, the birds flapping the wings. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, um, my choice is the one woman variant. That's just that's gorgeous. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, all right, Matt. Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow variant. There's something about the colors that I really love. It's kind of got that pastel. Okay. Um, her capes flying up. The pink cosmos underneath. Yeah. Very nice. That's cool. All right. Uh, and then best art of the week. Clark can go first. Ooh, it's down to either. 
Nightwing or Batman the Night. I think those are the only two real contenders for me, at least. Given that I didn't have Evely, otherwise that would right, probably right. be, yeah, which you'd definitely be up there. Um, I'll, I'll give it to Gio Domenico for, for Batman yeah. the Night. All right, uh, Matt? So, um, yes, Evely, great. We all know how I stand with, with Evely, and I love Redondo, but I have to give Takara the credit for Wonder Woman for really elevating this this week's issue. Really so, dynamic layouts, the kind of yeah, yep, yep. The layouts, the just everything really comes together. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with Wonder Woman. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna go with Redondo for Nightwing actually, because uh, I think obviously the evil stuff's fantastic, but it's there's something so expressive about his art and the way it like mm-hmm. captures the reactions between the characters and the and the funny moments and the more uh, dramatic moments. Uh, it even does some stuff where it's like, I mean, it's great with the facial expressions, but there's even that moment with like Superman in the fortress when he's in silhouette when he's sad. It's like so. It, it, there's, a, there's a nice range of like always getting across kind of the the feeling that the characters have in the scene. So I'm gonna go with uh with Redondo on Nightwing. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, all right. So ranking the top five books, Matt, on you go. All right. So number one is Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow. Two is Nightwing. Three is Tech. Four is Wonder Woman, and five is, can't remember what I gave, The Night and Flash. So I'll go with Flash. Cool. Uh, Connor? Yeah, I'm sure Pete could have told you what you gave him if you asked nicely. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> it's um, I'll go with Batman the Night, then I'll give it to Detective, the backup, kind of pulling it up a bit, then Nightwing, then Wonder Woman. All right, uh, I'm going to go with, yeah, I'll probably give it to Supergirl Woman tomorrow at number one, then Nightwing at number two, and Detective at number three, Wonder Woman at four, and then at number five, Batman the Night. So there you go. That is uh, the top five books of the week. So I will tell you now what's coming next week from DC Comics. So coming up, we have Detective Comics 1054. Mm-hmm. We have Action Comics 1040. We have Robin issue 11, Catwoman issue 40, DC vs. Vampires issue 5, The Human Target issue 5, Harley Quinn issue 12, Teen Titans Academy issue 12, Task Force Z issue 5, Deathstroke Inc. issue 6, Blue and Gold issue 6, Batman vs. Bigsby, A Wolf in Gotham issue 6, Aquaman issue one. I thought I already started to be honest. Maybe it's because I've seen it in solicit so many times at this yeah. point. Uh Aquaman Green Arrow, Deep Target issue five, Refrigerator Full of Heads, issue four, DC Horror Presents, Soul Plumber, issue five, Wonder Woman Evolution, issue four, and then only tangentially related, but Man Magazine issue twenty four as well. Uh for those who make it sound. Uh so pretty cool week coming up. Uh Detective Action, uh Human Target, you know, some some exciting stuff. Vampires. To- to check out vampires of course so looking forward to that uh, and i'll definitely do a patreon boot next week i i could have done one this week but you know what i knew there was going to be solicits and comicsology talk mm-hmm. uh driving up the length of this one so i i left out my work schedule is yet to be determined as to whether or not i'll be here next week so we spoke with earlier so uh if i'm here i'll do harley quinn <laughs> i guess and if not he'll do it the next time he's on that's generally how it works yeah, yeah it's exciting uh so yeah that's what's coming next week so i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you to 
Skype, why are you being awful? Alright. <laughs> it was co- it was covering my post but my name's on it. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like like it wouldn't go underneath it no matter what. You don't have to explain it. Skype can be awful sometimes. Yeah, it's just terrible. Anyway, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bornow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M4 Days. They're Patreon producers for the month. You can support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as a dollar per month. Obviously, one of the higher tiers gets you the uh, the producer credit, but at the $5 tier, uh, you get early access to the show. You get it sometime late in the Saturday, whenever it's out of the oven, uh, before everyone else does on the Sunday. So, uh, you know, go and have a look, see if you're interested in what you help support the content and keep everything coming. Uh, of course, you get bonuses for the other shows that are produced as part of Male Fuzz TV and Male Fuzz Movies, such as the horror movie podcast Screams After Midnight, the sci-fi movie podcast The Atomic Cinema Experiment. So if you want to hear me ramble with other people about movies, uh, feel free. In fact, uh, if you go to the Male Fuzz Movies YouTube channel, in the past week I had to do a two-hour review of the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy uh, with... Oh, hang on, hang on. You had to do a review. No one said you had to make it two hours. Oh, Pete had to make it two hours because he wants people to feel pain, but also pleasure. <laughs> so he just what, re- Which fits yeah. the theme of Fifty Shades when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was what he was going for. No, yeah. no amount of Dakota Johnson can make me watch those movies. I mean, there's a lot of Dakota Johnson. <laughs> I know, and I haven't seen those. <laughs> uh, I've seen them all twice for... Why have you seen them twice? It's a long story. I just... Trust me, it was not by choice. It was not a choice to see them all twice. This is Pete's villain origin story, and where he we were talking about Eldritch Horrors <laughs> earlier. Sometimes things just line up in a really bad way. In the space of a few days, I had to review the Fifty Shades trilogy, right? Which meant rewatching the first two and watching the third one. Um, I had to review on streams the third Twilight movie, so I had to watch that. And for the for the fifth hundredth episode of Screams, uh we were compelled to do Uwe Bowles Alone in the Dark. So in the space of a few days, I had to watch oh, a, I had to watch a Fifty Shades I, I movie. how you say compelled to when you're the one who put this out into the world in the first place. But but that doesn't mean that uh, he had to. No. You know what I mean? Like, he put it there. He in, came up in... with the idea and, and was like, hey, hey, we'll do this. Yes, but then people paid for it, so then I'm committed to it. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so the Twilight 3 review and the Fifty Shades trilogy review, those are out. The Alone in the Dark one's coming soon. Uh, anyway, Mail Fuzz movies, if you want to go. I mean, I watched Texas Chainsaw at the beginning, and that was terrible, but I, there's nothing that probably compares to the terribleness of Uwe Boll's Alone in the Dark. Isn't that starring Tara Reid? It does start Tara Reid, yes. Yeah. Oof. And Christian Slater. Poor Christian Slater. And Stephen Dorff. Uh, so yes, they're, they're, they're in that. Yes. Uh, so, you know, by all means, go check out and watch The Misery. Uh, so, yes. Uh, David, who does the Not She's New 52 uh, show on the Comics from the Multiverse channel, was a co-host on the Fifty Shades review. He, mm. uh, showed up wearing nipple clamps so you know go check out that uh but that is my plugging out the way uh, other than just asking you to like subscribe ding the bell for notifications and of course rate the show on itunes or wherever you get podcasts from five stars um there's a podcast website called Podchaser that i happened to notice we had like an average of like half a star on it based on a couple of reviews some people didn't like us on there for some reason so I told people on Twitter to go bump a rating up. We're up to four stars now. Oh, uh, good. But, uh, Thank you, Twitter. But by all means, go and go and uh, bump up the rating to get the average up. 
that'd be all nice. Oh, bad. Uh, but yes. What were the reviews with Connor or without Connor? <laughs> I am the shining light of honesty. Yeah, you're like you're like a laser to the eye, bud. Yes. Yes. Accurate though, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, the that, that that little bit of wood splinter that you get stuck in your shoe and you you want to get rid of it, but you oh. just can't find a way to remove it. Uh, it's the pain that reminds you that you're alive. Alright, let's go. It makes, you, it makes you wish you weren't, I think, most notably. Uh, so, thank you for joining us. This has been Constant the Multiverse, episode 293. We'll be back next week with uh, 294, because that's how numbers work. So, we'll see you then. Keep reading DC Comics, even if it takes some effort on the digital end now. But, uh, you know, find a way, because life should find a way. And uh, thank you once again. We'll see you next time. And always remember, to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.